This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Hello, this is Agoro, host of the Agoro Show. And you are listening to The Steve and Crypto Show. So keep your ears open and your mouth shut, 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 shut. Hey, welcome to The Steve and Crypto Show presented by thestevestrout.com. I'm Steve. I'm CryptoZoo. You have reached episode 123. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been listening to the last 122. If not, go back and listen. There's always time. Or if you have, do it again. Yeah, go back and listen again. Start Mm, over. Numbers are good. Numbers are good. Yeah, just go back to square one and start over again. And listen to our rants and bantering. Listen to us sip coffee. Speaking of coffee, yeah, that was a got me a good cup of coffee here. Yeah. Speaking of that, if you are feeling supportive and you want to support your third favorite podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash Steve Crypto and give us a little contribution, a little uh, little tip, and that goes towards everything regarding our show, as we have stated before. It goes towards getting into cons, promotions, buying uh, merch and all sorts of different things. So again, buy me a coffee.com slash Steve crypto. And you should also go buy yourself a coffee from our friends at expedition roasters. They, uh, sent us a case of their awesome blends from their coffee verse to try. I was they hoping have, you were going to take my segue opportunity. They, they have, they call their immersive pop culture themed coffee experience and so far i it's it's quite an experience it's pretty good stuff we cracked into the first bag and we wanted to tell you guys about it and how you could get some so what are we drinking on today this episode you are listening to right now is powered by beans from outer space we need like a cool little sound effect or something but we're not put an echo on my voice right there you know, yes. we're not that fancy. The uh, pigs in space inspired clip that I just gave you. The coffee's good. <laughs> yeah, the what's, coffee's what's great. What's the flavor man. all about? It really kicked in just a couple minutes ago, just before starting this episode here. Um, so, uh, again, beans from outer space is the name of the flavor. Um, it's it's peanut butter. This is peanut butter cup flavored. Um. So each bag has like a, a, a spooky name or a like sci-fi horror themed name to it. Um, the design of each bag is really cool. I love the artwork. Yeah, the art. Let's see. The font on the bag, it just screams 50s sci-fi. And it has a UFO on it. I'm looking for the art name. So we have yeah, an who, art director. Who did the art? Named Gavin Odison. So I'm not sure if it's the person that did the art for the bag or if they're just in charge of the bag. But I know that the company is u- is using 
commissioning artists to do each different bag design. Like you could go to the website, just look for Expedition Roasters. And I believe it's expeditionroasters.com. That's right. And while you're there, if you want to use the code Steve Crypto, we will save you a little bit of money at checkout once you find something that you want to buy. And I guarantee you will. If you're listening to us and you're a horror fan, which you probably are, and a coffee fan, which if you're an adult, you probably are a fan of coffee because you need it to stay alive, then this is the company for you, Expedition Roasters. You know, I, I think um, I'm personally excited to go through it and try all these flavors, but yeah. there are a bunch of flavors, and they just released their, uh, their Immortal Monsters coffee line, which they sent us bags of that stuff, which we will... We'll get to and tell you guys about. Um, yeah, we want to we want to feature or showcase a flavor every week, every episode for the next several weeks. Like we said, we we got a a good little supply of coffee that they sent us, and so we want to so make far, sure we hype it up for you guys. So far, we're on our first bag, and they're they're batting a thousand. This beans from outer space is really good. Yeah, uh, the peanut butter cup flavor, like I get. Hints of the chocolate, the peanut butter, I feel like is more in the aroma mm-hmm. than the flavor. Yeah, they have a little spot on the bag that you can squeeze and sniff it, and it <laughs> definitely <laughs> there's yep there's a little hole there that you can stick your nose in. Do you know what's funny is the little bag holes, the air hole that they use, so you can squeeze and get a sniff. I never knew that was a thing until like. Last year, as much coffee as I drink, oh, wow. as much as I love coffee, like Ryan showed me one day, she was like, you know, giving yeah. those. And I was like, the yeah. fuck? What the fuck are you doing? doing? And like, she showed me, and I was like, oh. and my life has changed ever since. You're like, have they been putting this little hole here for years? Oh. Yes, they have. Yeah, sniff the hole, man. <laughs> sniff the hole. And you get, like I said, go to the Expedition Coffee site, get some coffee, use the Steve Crypto code, get a discount. If anything, we could vouch for the beans from outer space. And if any other stuff is half as good as this, you guys would be happy. So just yeah. go order some. They're they're based out of Westwood, New Jersey, which is kind of From cool. Jersey. Yep. This coffee Jersey. is the only thing that smells good from Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jersey. The, uh, the bag says, it's the taste that came from beyond. See people panicking to get the last cup. Smell the distinct aroma that will drive you crazy. Hear the sounds of joy when you take your first sip. You'll be amazed at how beans from outer space take over your cravings and make you wild. Earthlings beware, you have been warned. Coming soon to a coffee mug near you. I like to hear that description in like Vincent Price's voice. Yeah. Yeah, not in my voice. (laughs) Try the beans from outer space. Like see people panicking to get the last cup. Then throw a little thriller laugh at the end. But um yeah. (laughs) Check them out. Expeditionroasters.com, code Steve Crypto, and we'll be back to tell you more about their coffees. But um back to us. Back to more promotions. We told you about the coffee. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash Steve Crypto. Also, if you're looking for some more content from us, if we haven't yacked your ears off already, you can head over to our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Steve Crypto. And we have an assortment of things. There's unboxing videos. There's uh, spoiler talk. We're actually going to get into some more of that really soon. We're going to talk turtles. We both just saw the new Ninja Turtle movie, Mutant Mayhem. 
and we want to yak about that a little bit and spoil it for you. So if you are not planning on watching the movie for some reason, I don't know why, and you just want to hear us talk about it, head over to Patreon. Or if you've already seen it and you want to hear a couple nerds yak through, yak about uh, turtles and and this version of the Ninja Turtles, which is pretty fun. I, I really... I, I like the idea of spoiling it. I really like people. Yeah. So I'd rather want, spoil it for you. If you want to hear us spoil the turtles for you, head over to Patreon. Later on this week, that'll go up on That's Patreon. Right. So yep. um, go join, listen to some of the old stuff till we get that up, but it's coming soon. The last clip we put up was like an hour long, and it was all about the Burt Kreischer thing I went to at the Gorge. Yeah. We have um, talk the, of... The last Burt Kreischer end of the tour, which is apparently continuing in the same damn city a month later. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's stupid. You yeah. got scammed by a fat shirtless <laughs> hack. <laughs> I like the guy. I like his comedy and everything. I didn't care for the movie. The machine movie was lame. It it just didn't make me laugh. But they should have marketed it as more of like an action flick. Um but yeah, I mean, since you mentioned it, three months later he's <laughs> coming back. He's uh October twentieth, I wanna say. Yeah, at, who cares? At Climate Pledge. Yeah. <laughs> I don't wanna you say. Know, if any of you guys listening didn't want to make that five hour drive well, it's probably not for you, but if you didn't want to make that drive to the gorge and didn't want to sit out in hundred and two degree weather with a bunch of shirtless drunks like like I did, um You, you were go, a shirtless drunk? I, I said I sat with shirtless oh, you drunks. Sat with them. I was not a shirtless Sarah drunk. Sarah needs to learn how to act in public. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep your clothes on. <laughs> Damn it, woman. Um, but, uh, yeah, so if you wanted to avoid all that and still see Bert, you can go see him at Climate Pledge in Seattle oh, no. in October. We're giving him way too much promotion. He should join <laughs> the Patreon and give us some money. Yeah. Fucking yeah, that'd guy. be nice. I heard he has, like, three houses, so. Yeah, so uh, he, let's not promote him He can anymore. afford that. <laughs> um, but, you it, know. Is he up on stage saying, you guys, let me take my shirt off and tell you about this podcast, The Steven Crypto Show? <laughs> That last tour that we attended, it was kind of a way of him to promote new comics, up-and-coming comics, or ones that just aren't out there as much. So I appreciate what it's about. But it is kind of lame to see like a new tour being started up almost right away. You know, yeah. So he's already promoting another tour. Like I was saying earlier, the studio probably wants him to fucking recoup some of the money they lost from the movie. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> I heard it cost about twenty million to make that movie. Did it? Yeah. And fifteen to Mark Hamill. <laughs> yeah. That might not even be a joke. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah. Uh, anyway, Patreon. Head over there. Listen to that. <laughs> join for as little as a dollar a month. That's right, and we appreciate you guys for listening. For listening here. For listening on Patreon. All the above. Um, also, if you want to follow our adventures online and and uh just keep up with everything we got going on uh you can follow us on instagram and uh i was gonna say twitter it's hard to not say now twitter, it's huh? it's uh x. it just makes me think of dmx so um head over to x and follow and we're, and we're gonna give it to you yeah yeah yeah, yeah we're gonna give it to you Mm-hmm. Ah, I was clearing my throat. My dog. I was clearing my throat there. My Sorry. poor dog was sitting over there fucking licking himself, and you had to scare him. <laughs> head over to my Twitter page. Wait, I can't call it Twitter. Yeah. Um, head over to X 
and follow at sorry Haru. <laughs> follow CryptoZoo88 Carry on. and the Steve Strout. <laughs> <laughs> How would you like it if you were licking yourself and somebody scared you? <laughs> I can't even lick myself. Well, shit. Imagine if you could. Your life would be different, first of all. <laughs> life would be very different. Like, he, he jumped about as much as my grandpa used to when the phone rang. My grandpa had emphysema, and I swear, dude, he would jump out of his chair every time the phone would ring next to him. And his own kids, occasionally, just to fuck with him, <laughs> they would, they'd go in the back room and take their cell phone in and just call the house phone and make it ring just to make him jump. What kind of awful children... <laughs> Or torturing your poor grandpa. I know. And then he would smile. They'd laugh and he'd smile at them and, you know, just give them that look like you little asshole. And, and they're they're grown men. Did you do it? No, no. I said his kids. Like, my dad would go and do that. Or my uncle would do that. Monsters. Now, now my aunt, she she's too nice to do a thing like that. Hmm. But her brothers, no, they would. And they did. And, it, and we all laughed. <laughs> Damn. So, yeah, you mentioned X. Yeah, head over to <laughs> X and follow CryptoZoo88 and the Steve Strout. You can also check out our Facebook group. Um, we encourage you to contribute there. If you have things that you're working on, post a clip, post a, a music video, um, you know, maybe a little bit of your script you're working on, whatever it is. If it's pop culture friendly, if it's especially horror friendly, spooky, whatever, uh, we encourage you to put it in there. Let people see it. We have almost a thousand followers in that group, so I'm sure you might get some new eyes on your project. So I got a question for listeners. Reach out to us on X or Instagram or Facebook or whatever and tell us what there is these new social media platforms popping up. I can't think of any names off the top of my head. But there's one that uh, Instagram, Facebook, Meta, whatever the fuck it is, launched threads or something like that yeah yeah um, um our friend jared savage was talking about threads. i started using that a little bit i haven't really dug too much into it but there's another one out there that people have been using too um what are you guys thoughts on those are you still sticking with like twitter or any of that where would you rather what would be the best place to to keep you guys up to date on what's happening with the podcast with the steven crypto show like, because there's, you know, social media has been really, like, volatile and, like, weird lately. Like, algorithms are off. Like, you don't know. Like, you used to know, like, certain times of the day you could post stuff and people will see it. But it's, it's like, fucking so thrown off now. And then, like, there's, like, the wars <laughs> between. There's, like, talks about, like, fucking Elon Musk fighting the Facebook guy and, like, I hope it happens. I hope they fight to the death. And then, but um, so yeah. So like, engagement's all weird and fucked up. And yeah. you know, certain things are getting more engagement than others. More deserving things. Um. Yeah. Where are you guys interacting these days? That's what we want to know. Like, where are you guys spending the most of your time when it comes to social media? Um, yeah. That. <laughs> are you on Instagram more than you are Facebook? I hear a lot of people prefer Instagram over Facebook. But with that being said, 
it's more important now than ever. You mentioned like Patreon, buy me a coffee and ways to support us. I think equally as important as monetization. Did I say it? Monetization. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got to make the words right. Most, equally as important to that is reposting and sharing and liking posts and putting out your own post about the Stephen Crypto show yeah. to get the word out and spread it. Because, like I said, the the, the whole engagement and, and algorithms are got everything fucking twisted. So yeah. the more you guys spread the word, the better chance we'll have of being heard and growing and, and which will allow us to do cooler shit for you guys. And Anyone that is in like really any form of entertainment has to somewhat rely on other people to kind of help spread the word, you know? I mean, even people that are considered famous that some of you listeners follow today, they had to start somewhere and they had to probably get help from other people around them and and followers to kind of preach the their gospel you know about what they're doing and um so we we appreciate anybody who ever chooses to help promote us um if you're listening and you haven't done so yet we'd really spread the word yeah we would <laughs> really uh, love if you guys would you know put up a post about maybe look in the archives and find an episode from us that you really enjoy and just share it or if you have friends you know what i just mentioned jared savage a minute ago a friend of ours uh, actually the first wrestler we actually had on our show we've been talking about having a wrestler on for a long time um i believe he was like episode 117 go back and check that out and if you have friends that are into wrestling, send it to them or like either send it to them or tag them in a post or something like that and make sure they get a chance to check it out. If it helps, if you are listening and you're in Washington and your friend is also in Washington and into wrestling, let them know he's a Washington guy if that helps at all. But we talk to people from all over the place, not just in Washington. Um, we're, we're trying to to get this podcast out to as many people as we can, as many folks that will listen and will have us. But um, it's just trying to find our our audience and our type of people. And we need that assistance from you guys. You know, it's a really good thing for them to share and post about our merch. And I know just where you can find our merch, and that's Etsy slash shop slash Stephen Crypto merch. Or just go to Etsy and look up Stephen Crypto Show, and you will find us. We have two t-shirt designs. We have a coffee mug that I bet would really even enhance the flavor and the overall experience of having Expedition Roasters oh, Coffee. It does. You put some of that in your cup in the morning. Whoo, you'll be flying like Ric Flair after tried, a couple bumps. I tried back the beans. In 83. I tried the beans from outer space in in the Steven Crypto mug and it was just like I felt like I was in outer space and it was special. I felt like I was an astronaut. Just floating around. On a mission to save the universe. Yeah. And I really felt like I could. Did you pass out a couple cards of our podcast to the aliens? Give away were... some stickers. Yeah. Apparently, aliens are real. Yeah. yeah Tom DeLong was right. 
should have listened to oh, Blink-182. Oh, I'm not sorry for saying that. <laughs> <sighs> Where are you? <laughs> the flying saucer. <laughs> my, my, my girlfriend Sarah went to see Blink-182 in Seattle not long ago. And I was supposed to go, but I ended up staying behind Darn. to uh, watch the kids and, you know, told her coworker to go with her and they had fun. They had a good time. But what was kind of funny is as they're going to the show or probably there, you know, I I was at home watching a Blink-182 concert on YouTube. Crying. <laughs> no, no, not crying, but I just like, huh, I'm actually... Getting a better, better view. I'm getting a better view, really. Like, I could pause this concert and go old, take a shit anytime I want. How old was the show? It was from that tour. Like, the tour okay. they were just so on. So you were watching the old man Blink-182. And it was, yeah. So it's from the tour they were just on that she was going to see, that whole same show. Um, I don't remember where it was, but the guy that was filming the whole entire concert was pretty much right up front. Nice. So I had a better view than I would have if I was <laughs> actually there at the show. And I just watched that and okay, I finally figured had a out, great time. I always wonder what their name meant, but I finally figured out that the 182 is their current combined age. <laughs> <laughs> They're all 60 or 61 years old. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Where are you? Uh, Pretty soon he's going to start singing it sounding like Herbert from... <laughs> Where are you? Do you like popsicles? <laughs> um. So yeah, the merch. <laughs> Go to Etsy and search Stephen Crypto, and you'll find the merch there. And um, this happened to be my birthday weekend, That's so right. we are running a merch special the whole month. The merch is on sale. You got to August thirty first to get a discount on merch. I don't remember how much I marked it down, like 15% or something. I believe that's what you said, 15, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Happy belated birthday to you. <laughs> I'm as old as Blink-182. I don't remember stuff. Everybody listening, just uh, go buy something in, in support of Steve. You know, Instead yeah. of giving him a present, you go, go get yourself a present. We got, we got a bunch of events coming up, and we, we need gas money. I just gave stuff. him a present for his birthday. He got some things. You go get yourselves a present. There you go. Go get yourself a gift. I think the birthday boy wants you to do that. Yeah. And like I said, we need gas money for events. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a few in the works, but there is one that we just set in stone recently. If you are a local in our area, here in Port Townsend, Washington, or if you're anywhere and you want to come here and hang out, there is an event happening in October. October 13th and 14th. It's a two-day thing. It's called the Witch's Walk Fright Night. And basically, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a Halloween-themed, witchy thing, spooky thing. Uh, everybody dresses up witchy or in a costume or whatever and do a little walk around town and get all festive for the, for the spooky season. And uh, let's see, the 13th is, I believe, a Friday night. Yeah. They're going to be having... Like live music and stuff they're for gonna have the a 20, adult crowd. Yeah, they're going to have a 21 and up dance. And then the 14th is the whole all age family thing. I think that's when they're doing the walk. They do the witch's walk and then I believe they kind of costume contests yeah. and all kinds of stuff. And there's going to be prizes and the Stephen Crypto Show will be there hanging out. And we'll probably do like some, some 
Facebook or Instagram lives and wandered around and let you see some of the costumes and I don't know. We'll see. Maybe there'll be some interesting people. We'll chat with them for the show or something. We're working on a huge Halloween month. We're not going to give you one episode. We're hoping to give you at least two. Yeah. Ideally, if time is on our side, we're going to have four episodes in October. It's like yep. the good old days when we did episode every week. Yeah. But that is October 13th and 14th. Yeah, um, this same crew that's putting it on, they've they've produced zombie crawls in the past, previous Halloweens and, and things like that. Um, so this year is the Witch's Walk. And I know in the past they've started out over by the Rose Theater. Anybody listening, you know, if you know Port Townsend, you'll kind of know what I'm getting at here. They'll start over at the Rose Theater downtown by the fountain. And then they just kind of walk through town um, or stumble, crawl, whatever. And and this year, they're going to do their walk, and then I believe they come back to the Legion Hall, and they're going to announce the winners there, probably for best costume or you know something like that. Um, there's going to be prizes. Uh, we'll have a, a table there set up representing the show and have some merch and things. And so, yeah, we just want to hang out with all the, the spooky people that are going to be attending and and for anybody listening if you want to come and check that out just make sure you come by our table and say hi let us know that you've been listening and that you've found out about the event through us yeah i'm reaching here i know most people listening are not that local but come here (laughs) come hang out yeah come visit our town it's cool there's a lot of cool like places do photo ops and like spooky looking old architecture and stuff and yep it's a good season for it come out and uh get fucking weird in port townsend and if you're gonna stay somewhere like if you're gonna come for more than one day and you need a hotel they're all very expensive they're all expensive but if you're into the spooky life look into manresa castle or just the castle now yeah you know, but look into that online before you come this way and get a room there we recommend it yeah, they have a known history of being haunted. Um, before we get too far away, you were mentioning events. I was mentioning up. how delicious this beans from outer space is from <laughs> Expedition Roasters, where you could go and buy a bag and use the discount code Steve Crypto and save some money, and then you could use that money you saved and go buy a Steve and Crypto mug on Etsy, and then <laughs> fucking drink your coffee out of that mug. That's right. And you could just have fucking. Live your best life. And take a picture with that coffee mug. Tag us in it. Tag Expedition Roasters, because that's the coffee you're drinking. Yeah. If you get merch, take a picture and tag us, and we'll send you, like, something else, too. Yeah. Maybe a, some stickers or a fucking DVD, like a horror movie, or just something. Yep. You got till the end of the month. Go use that code. Uh, actually, it's not even a code. Just go to Etsy, and you'll see everything's discounted right now. Yep. It's all so, on sale. Yeah. Everything. Spread the word. Let's Everything. All four items we got there. <laughs> Tell all, all um, your friends on threads and X and Instagram and Facebook and fucking send smoke signals. Yep. <laughs> send, well, actually, send don't, a pigeon. don't do it here in the Northwest because most of the area is in a burn ban. So don't light a fire to make smoke signals. So just text somebody. 
We uh, send an email. Steve and I like to set up traps and we catch seagulls and then we just attach little cards to their ankle with rubber bands. But we never get replies. <laughs> Nobody ever catches them because like seagulls are assholes. We need to get pigeons. Yeah. <laughs> We're too broke for that. So uh, yeah. if you want to head over to our uh, Buy Me a Coffee, you can contribute so that we can get some pigeons. <laughs> what are we even talking about this episode? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what we're talking about. We are talking about the toy and collectibles show in Squim. Oh, yeah. I'm going to mention that right now. Again, so, tell these people that aren't from the area <laughs> about this event that well, they're probably not going to come to. If you guys want to come and hang but, out with us, we're going to be there um, September 9th. So that's next month. September 9th, I believe, is a Saturday. From 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Not very long. Small little window of time there. It, it always flies by. Like when you're working these cons, the yeah. day flies by. I mean, it sounds like I wouldn't call this a con, but well, when you're working at like vendor events yeah. and things like that, you know, everything's going by so fast before you know it is time to pack up and leave. But this one's from 10 to 3, and it's going to be at the Guy Cole Event Center. Which is 144 North Blake Avenue in Squim. So just uh, check out the Toy and Collectibles show on Facebook. I believe you can find the group page for it. And there's going to be vintage toys, action figures, die-cast robots, Hot Wheels. There's play sets. There's models, Legos, comics. Like models, like model kits or like models? Like car models, yeah. Uh like like car models standing around outside, yeah. If like that gets the listeners, or, yeah. right, right, yeah. If that gets the listeners to show up, there's going to be uh, bikini models standing around outside, um, okay. along with Barbies, Godzilla toys, Star Wars. I'm bringing Star Wars for sure. I'm, I'm sure uh, Steve might be bringing some. I got some. Not only are we going to be there hanging out in attendance promoting our show, but we are going to be vendors there. So Steve and I both are going to have some toys, collectibles. Funko Pops, all kinds of different yeah, things. Come, come buy my shit so I can buy more shit. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Um, we, our, we probably should have mentioned this before we mentioned the, the yeah, witch Yeah, because this one comes up before that. I was yeah. thinking the same thing <laughs> when you mentioned the witch hunt. But, oh, well, these are events that are coming up. So And they're they're in our area. If you guys can make it, you got a little bit of time to plan for it. Um, another one. Josh Cook, we're talking to you. Bring we have it. another event. Come, come up and say hi and uh, buy some toys. Saturday, November 11th, Tacoma, Washington. We are back at Grit City Comic Show. It's one of our bigger events that we get invited to. We'll be hanging out out there. Uh, it's going to be some pretty good comic guests. Randy Emberlin will be back. Ron Randall. Our old pal, Blackie Shepard. A uh, bunch of cool people there. There might even be some other podcasts that we collaborate. Um... Maybe the Lego people will be a little more friendly to us this time. <laughs> yeah. Not to they, say nothing bad about it. They them, weren't, I mean, they weren't mean towards us or anything, but like. They just weren't friendly. Yeah, we were next to this table last year that, uh, like, well, I'll start over. There's the main con room, and then, like, before that, there's often, like, little booths with promotional yeah, things. We're, like, stuff. the first people you saw. So, yeah, we were one of the first tables when you come around the corner before you go into the main room. Now, you know, everybody's excited to get in there, but they also were excited to check out the Legos, which were right next to us. 
Which way overshadowed us. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so there's like people checking out Legos and families with their kids looking at like these Lego trains and, you know, things that are moving on this table. And then we're next to them as they walk away like, do you like podcasts? Yeah. Hey, come here. We don't have Legos, but we have stickers. <laughs> yeah. We have stickers and a free bucket of Tootsie Rolls. Yeah, we had candy, though. That yeah. was cool. People liked the candy. Yeah. Some of them would just come and take the candy and not the podcast promo yeah. stuff but you know but I, whatever. I, I heard there might be a celebrity guest there once that's confirmed we'll mention it because i might actually try to bring that guest on our show kind of hype the convention a little bit but it's always one of my favorite shows every year there's a comic convention that still has an emphasis on comics which is nice yeah which is nice um so yeah there's possibly more events, which will keep you guys in the loop on. Um, we'll post them online, of course, on X. And uh, I fucking hate saying that. I still want to call it Twitter. Yeah. Uh, shit, what's been... What else has been happening? I went like, to Spirit. You went to Spirit, that's right. You did go to Spirit. Speaking of... I had a show and went to Spirit Correct. all in one day. Did, how did the show go? <sighs> I know it was like a, you're kind of quick in and out. Yeah. Um, it was a, a tribute. Well, not a tribute. I'm sorry. It was a benefit show uh, for a local, for a local yeah. who's been going through a lot of health issues. I'm not going to get into it, but um, you know some, some serious health issues that they had and then they kind of thought they got past them and then they sprung back up again. So it, it happens to a, a lot of us. But um, uh, a few local artists decided to uh, join forces and, and try to do what we could to put a little extra money in the pockets of that family so that maybe some hospital bills can be taken care of and whatnot. So, um, yeah, it, it was all right. We, we had, uh, I want to say, two or three cancellations at the last minute, like the day of the show, I found out the couple performers couldn't make it. Mm. And so that changed things around. And, and basically uh, I ended up, I was going to be performing third, I believe. And I ended up going first and um, a lot of shows start at like nine or even 10 around here. This one started at like eight, 30 or so right and so like the crowd's there and it's kind of early they're they maybe have one drink in them they're not loosened they up yet they ain't loosened up they're so not loosened up and so i had to do my best with that also like the crowd was sitting down um you know they were responsive they clapped and everything and but it's just hard like when you're in that that hip-hop state of mind that position to, you want to like, like hype people that you want to hype them up and get them all excited and moving, <laughs> yeah. And they don't want to, so it's just going to come off corny. <laughs> I don't want to throw your hands up. I don't want to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I even made that joke later after my set, talking to somebody. I was like, you know, Steve Harvey used to have this old joke about going to rap shows, and he's like, thirty-two motherfuckers on the stage, one microphone, everybody hollering at the crowd. Put your hands in the air, wave them side to side, scream. He's like. I paid thirty eight fifty. God damn it, you scream! Yeah. And so I've thought about like saying that joke, referencing it on stage, and telling the crowd like I'm not gonna do that to you, you know, like. 
and kind of reference that joke and then right after that be like all right everybody put your hands in there yeah. <laughs> um but uh you know there's there's things in my mind that i wanted to do before the show like okay this song i do this this song i do that then all the changes just it all everything off. it all gets thrown mm. out the window when you go into the crowd or go into a show sometimes you go did into you, the venue did you record or film any of it no um, I don't really know if anybody was recording it out there in the crowd or anything. There was like 50 people or so. Um, uh, yeah, it, it was all right. It's just it wasn't like the standard crowd that we're used to performing for. They were right. just a little bit more relaxed and, you know. But well, that's too you, bad. You never know who is going to be listening and appreciate it because there was someone in the crowd that – I wouldn't expect to give a compliment, and they did, so that was cool. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I did a brand-new song, like, first time doing it at all, and um, it was okay. I, I fumbled a little bit, just I think I was nervous. So, And that's another mm-hmm. thing, too, is your nerves. Like, it's funny how before a show, you might not be nervous at all, and then same thing, just you get there, you see the people and, and something changes within you and you're like, why am I so nervous now? I wasn't before. Like I was fine at home. I yes. I had practiced and you know, I thought you were ready. Thought everything. You're I'm, never ready. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this. I like have a fucking pages and pages of notes, but I still don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah. We still end up fumbling. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know what? Uh, fucking <laughs> you mentioned you went to spirit. I'm yeah. starting to see Halloween shit in the stores. I'm getting fucking hyped for Halloween. What's good at Spirit? Like, was it... Were you disappointed? Were you hyped? Or is it the usual Spirit Halloween? Let's open a store before we have the store full. This location actually had more stocked than I expected them to. Right. Because, yeah, last year we went early and it was kind of like that. Like, half the store was Like, there. it wasn't even set up. Why'd you open yeah. it? Yeah. Well, because they know that people like us are going to come in and buy whatever, you know. And then come back had, and buy more They later. had three things on the shelf, and I had to buy one of them at least. You know, but, um, yeah, they had more in stock than I expected. There were still a couple little spots that needed to be filled up, but um, better than last year, for sure. It looks like they're animatronics are better i've been watching like following them on instagram they keep doing like giveaways like when this animatronic by you know tagging somebody yeah um yeah they, they look better in that fucking mars attacks the alien yeah is fucking bitching so they didn't have that mars attacks is one of the main themes this year and I am They very, didn't have that animatronic? They didn't have that set up, oh, no. Man. They had a bunch of other ones set up, which, again, was an improvement from last year because last year they didn't even have, like, work. either they weren't set up or they were standing there, but they didn't work. That's because you know. people let their little fucking bastard kids go up and stomp on the foot things. and Not my kids. They don't want to be near them. No, <laughs> hell no. no. My kids actually had me pretty excited that day, Saturday, when we went um because our youngest who just turned four he actually was saying halloween store over and over and last year he was scared and didn't want to go so this year he wanted to we get inside and then he's scared and he was like go home go home yeah never mind (laughs) yeah go home (laughs) and um so uh yeah they back to mars attacks they didn't have the martian set up 
but that is one of the main themes this year. Um, they had a Mars Attack sign, a couple of them, um, and like a, a welcome mat and a bunch of other things. The main themes this year, a couple of them are kind of the same as last year, really. Killer Clowns, yeah. Hocus Pocus, those two are from last year. Of course. And then there's Mars Attacks, um, Trick or Treat again, which they, they've they just been putting out more and more Trick or Treat stuff, which I love the movie, so I'm not... Each year, it's like snowballing. Yeah. It's the, it's the same with those other two franchises you said, like the Hocus Pocus and... Uh, Killer Clowns. Killer Clowns. Like, when those movies came out, nobody gave a fuck about them. Yeah. And it's kind of, they grew like a cult following and mm-hmm. then now there's merch and everything and i think with the mars attacks thing it was never i mean people like it but it was never appreciated the way it should have been yeah and now i think they're like well look at look at what we did with hocus pocus like how much merch we're selling like how much killer clown shit we're selling and uh you know killer clowns is really it's an awesome movie but it's not a good movie Mars Attacks is a good movie. Mars Attacks is a good movie. I still have the original movie poster. Like it's it's backwards on one side. It's legit. I still have that somewhere. And it's it's like uh was it from the video store? Yeah, my That's uh, cool. from the theater. My cousin oh, okay. used to work at our local drive-in and the uptown. Right. And so I've had that since it came out. You know, I yeah. still I'm pretty sure I still have it. Hope so. And um yeah, so I that movie kind of has a special place in right. my heart, and um, I saw it, I think, at our Uptown Theater when right. it was here. See, but I think they're trying to, like, jump on that and be like, okay, I bet we could, I know this has a little following, I bet we could put merch out and, and make ca- it bigger. fucking cash in like we did with the other ones. Yeah. Which I, I hope so, because I think this movie actually deserves <laughs> more than it's gotten i mean it's appreciated but it's not like on the level of personally i like mars attacks more than killer clowns me too oh yeah yeah overall it's a better movie yeah i like killer clowns i enjoy it it's a fun fucking movie yeah it's fun but like mars attacks is actually still pretty good while also being it's a good movie Yeah. yeah yeah i mean a lot of big name actors in it um one that some people probably forget about that's in there. One of my favorite actors, Jack Black, has a small part. Oh, yeah. He's like the little buzz cut. The army. Soldier boy. Yeah. Brother or whatever. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, and uh, that old grandma, she's kind of funny in there, just the way she is. And, yeah. But, yeah, it's a great movie. And, and Jack Nick- Nicholson playing, like, oh, yeah. what, two, three characters. Yeah. You mentioned Trick or Treat, too. It's another one that didn't really have a big it wasn't like a big release or anything yeah but it's kind of slowly building up like but. terrifier they they had a they have a, a cult following you yeah. know i hope to see terrifier merchant spirit one day i bet but, they got something yeah but anyway uh, but not like a wall the whole you know they don't have like the beetlejuice section or yeah. you know what i mean i'm sure they had a bunch of beetlejuice stuff beetlejuice still. was back again yeah thanks for mentioning that beetlejuice um Haunted Mansion had a couple things. Um, I mean, of course, Halloween and the classics. They had Chucky dolls and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, they have these things that Sarah was saying people are after them. Um, we follow the Halloween Forever group from Jay the Libra, which we recommend you guys follow that as well if you're into Halloween stuff. And I guess a lot of people on that group are after 
these little baby horror figures that Spirit oh, has. Yeah. It's like ghost face sitting down. It it could almost be like a little lawn gnome or like a lawn ornament. Um, there's oh, like a baby gnomes, baby bleh. ghost face, baby Sam, and then uh, Leatherface, and the fourth one I believe is Pennywise. Yeah, those are... they're cool. They're like fifty bucks a piece. Oh, I want good. the ghost face one. I'm passing them things. Wouldn't mind Leatherface as well. Honestly, I wouldn't mind having all four of them, but that's a lot. Um, so yeah, they have those. There's like uh, these new snow globes that like the snow is blood. Oh nice. And they See, have cool. one of Leatherface and Pennywise and nice. somebody else. But yeah, did a uh, you take any pictures or anything? Uh, yeah, I actually got some video of some of the animatronics, Did one you? being a killer clown. There's like a seven foot tall clown with a bag of popcorn. Nice. Yeah. Th- maybe we'll put up a post at, at thestevestrout.com and we'll, we'll put those up in there. Yeah. Your pictures. And, um, I went to, I made it to Michael's, which is always one of my first stops looking yeah. for Halloween stuff. And they, they were getting their Halloween section filled up. There's, they're following the, uh, they've been doing like a, a, trying to go like a vintage look with, with a lot of their decor. Half it's like vintage, the other half is like kind of witchy, mystical kind of stuff. Yeah. But they had, so far, like I've been watching like in the Halloween Forever group and watching Jade's videos and other people in, in the one actual, uh, piece of decor that came out this year that I really wanted I was able to get I saw it at the Michaels I went to and then I hit you up and was like hey you're going out by this other Michaels that has it get it for me um it was I uh, thought you wanted that Edgar Allan Poe on the toilet nah that's what I thought you were after you didn't tell me mm-hmm. what you wanted at first and I was like he's getting that Edgar Allan Poe sitting on the crapper nah I'm good there is a, a Edgar Allan Poe bust floating around out there that looks pretty cool or look good on a bookshelf or something yeah because I have like a, my little mini display with like my little Poe Funko next to like these old Edgar Allan Poe books down there that are they're like fucking 120 years old or something wow um <laughs> but I wanted I love vintage looking blow molds like the plastic blow molds and there was this really cool ghost holding a little halloween bucket and he was fucking huge he's like over two feet tall or something we used to have a ceramic one like that when i was a kid and then your parents Damn gave them all size. away yep <laughs> they gave all of our our halloween stuff away but i did get my I almost said christmas i did get my blow mold from michael's which is good like i I haven't seen anything else out that I need. That was the one thing I needed this year. Have you seen any pictures or, or anything that you need for this year's decor? Besides the baby dolls? Um, nothing that really comes out right now. I mean, we're definitely going to go back to Spirit and give them more of our money. Um, because they have like you were talking about even at Michael's all the kind of witchy stuff they have a bunch of that at Spirit too a bunch of things you could pretty much leave out all year round if you wanted to notice there's a lot of like snake snaky things and stuff like yeah no thanks I want my (laughs) jack-o'-lanterns and fucking pumpkins and bats and skeletons and shit 
but yeah, I, I can't think of anything that I have to have um, yet. No, not yet. Hmm. I don't know. It's There's... tough, man. Like wanting to get a lot of decorations, but not wanting to spend a lot of money. Yeah, or like, it's tricky. You know, like okay, I could buy this one really cool thing for three hundred dollars. I could buy a bunch of stuff and my issue spread is it space. Yeah, I don't have space. Like, you guys got a lot more space than I do, but yeah, like I feel like I probably have more stuff <laughs> than you guys, but you guys have more space. Yeah, like, I got a lot of shit. You, you, you're here. You know, yeah. how, you know how my collection is. Like I'm thinning it out. That's why we're doing that toy show. Yeah. But um, Halloween. Uh, locally, uh, I don't know if I mentioned that. Home Goods, their section they got it filled up now. So that's worth checking out. That's Somebody good. sent me some pictures and show some pictures, and they got some. A lot of the similar types of. I saw a couple things that I was like, oh, I want those, but. Not as bad as I wanted that blow mold. But yeah, that's the, the Halloween stuff. So we'll keep watching and I'm sure we'll chat about Halloween stuff more leading up to Halloween. We'll talk about Halloween stuff around Halloween because we're going to go all the fuck out on Halloween, hopefully. You guys listening, um, I'm going to give you a couple tips for like some people that are constantly Just posting. A tip. <laughs> uh, for some people that are Kim constantly voting, voting. See what you did? They're posting videos posting um places that you can go to get your decor uh follow our friend jay the libra that we i mentioned earlier from the halloween forever group uh be sure that you're following her online and watch her youtube videos because she's constantly going to home goods uh tj max and and different places like that to she's show like you. the queen of halloween decor yeah yeah this is the time where all that stuff's coming out now and she's going to show you like where the good things are which stores so you don't have to go to every single one of them unless that's what you want to do um also our friend derek moore uh he is posting all the time um, you can find his videos. I want to say his YouTube is like, what is it? Um, I don't know, but just I don't remember. find him on Instagram. Find Derek Moore on Instagram. Shadow play. Shadow PDX. play. DX. Yeah. Shadow play PDX. I knew yeah. that the Portland and thing you was get a link there. to his YouTube. He puts up a lot of stuff. He does a lot of like unboxing videos. And yeah. Shows him the stuff. He's but. been posting a lot of things lately about different stores and what they have. So. Yeah, he's, a, he's another sucker that gets out there and spends up all his money. Yeah, but I I mean, I figure like if you guys don't have time to go to all these stores, you can look at what those two have been up to and you can figure out the one store that's for you. The shit you need. The shit yeah. you need. Um, before we get ready to wrap this, I kind of want to... Uh, Take a moment and uh, offer a, a condolences to the family and fans of William Friedkin. If you don't know, who he is he was the director of The Exorcist, which is considered arguably the one of the scariest movies ever. I remember kind of one of the few movies that freaked me out as a kid. Um. I'm sure you watched it oh yeah yeah i watched it i mean my mom said that she thought it was one of the scariest movies she had ever seen yeah and, and it inspired a lot of 
filmmakers and performers and people in the horror business like that one movie he's done a bunch of other shit too but that dude it's like one of the horror masterpieces and it's another one of those movies like that you'll you'll go back and watch and sometimes like a film will have you saying to yourself wow this this looks really good for its time yeah, it you know, holds up fairly Alien well. Alien is like that I think to it me. Holds up pretty well. Star Wars, Alien, The Exorcist. You you think like this looks Jaws. really good? Yeah, Jaws. And then you go back and look. You're like, wow, this came out in '73. It just yeah. it looks great, you know, for its time and what they were able to do with it. But yeah, William Friedkin passed, so that's too bad. But he, he definitely bad. left a, a legacy for us horror fans to uh, appreciate um and you know if if your mom wasn't cool enough to let you watch that movie well you know what she does so yeah that movie actually you know what reagan said she does that movie yeah dude that was a fucked up movie to watch yeah. when you were little i remember being freaked out by it like goddamn, the devil there's, did you ever hear the the Richard Pryor bit about the Exorcist? Probably heard it, but I don't remember it right now. All right, everybody, go <laughs> on like YouTube or something and and search Richard Pryor Exorcist and listen to that whole bit. It's one of the funniest fucking bits ever. He's talking about if the Exorcist happened in an African American family home in a black home, how it would be way different <laughs> like it would be really short I love hearing comedians takes on different things and movies especially I don't remember who said it but some comedian was talking about Home Alone and they were like you know if that movie was real like it would have been five minutes long they, those dudes would have shot the kid in the face and they would have robbed the house and left yeah, but I don't think they had guns though which was they, their problem they did one of them had a gun I mean at least in Lost in New York they had yeah, a gun well, that they had the thought, slime on it, remember? They thought better about it after the first one. Yeah, yeah, like, they got their ass the, kicked by them in the first what's movie. What's the fucking, the odds that, like, the same criminals, like, go from Chicago to New York and find and the run exact into the same cage. kid, yeah. They probably were wondering the same the thing. The first fucking <laughs> movie was so good. Oh, yeah. The second yeah. one was like, meh. It's still pretty fun. I like it, it for what it fun, is. It was fun, but like... They know it doesn't top the first it's one. It's so un- unbelievable, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, and the parents. Like, what the fuck? You left your kid behind again? I mean, wouldn't the one time be enough of a lesson? But they had, like, what, 13 children? Something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Something like that. This is what we do on the show, folks. We this is exactly what we do. We jump off. We, we were talking we about Spirit this. Halloween. Now we we're talking about Kevin talk, McAllister. Talk a bunch of nonsense. We promote creative people. Like last week, we talked with Rick Danford, a filmmaker who has Indie Horror Junkie magazine going, which you can read for free. So go track that down and check it out. Listen to the last episode for all the details. And, of course, go check out some of the other podcast in the Deluxe Edition Network. Go to deluxeeditionnetwork.com and you'll find the Stephen Crypto Show and over 20 other shows on there, all independent podcasts. We're all there promoting each other and hyping each other. There's a whole slew of different genres and stuff going on. Who are the podcasts of the month, Steve? The podcasts of the month are the Broken System Podcast and Quad Pro Quo. 
There's two podcasts in a month, every month, and they deserve it. Someday it's going to be us. That's right. We mentioned Rick Danford last week. This week we are actually joined by a past guest. I think he's been on twice now. So he's officially a, a cast member of the Steven Crypto <laughs> just Show. Just like TJ, huh? TJ, <laughs> yep. He's just fresh off a highly successful campaign for Psycho Ape 2. Psycho Ape being his film about a ape that escapes the a zoo and goes on a rampage killing people with bananas. And it's grown a little a little cult following. Like people love it. They've sold a ton of copies of it and it's been screened around the country and people are loving it. Uh we're getting a sequel. And like I said, they just had a successful campaign to raise money to film that. And Addison Binnick is back to uh, hype something new that he's working on. He does a, a like a riffing, a movie riffing show, which he did a couple episodes of it for Troma, I believe. And then they kind of severed ties, and he's been doing it on his own. But he's running a new campaign for that, which he is here to tell us about. So why don't we jump into that chat with Addison Binnick and uh, hear what he has going on. If you haven't met him yet, here's a new cast member of the Steven Crypto Show. <laughs> the Steven Crypto and Addison Show. Just this week, at We'll least. just keep adding names. <laughs> the Steven Crypto and Addison and TJ Show. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next one will probably be... Before you know it, we'll be doing a whole hour of just naming the title. The Steven Crypto yeah, and Addison and TJ and John Brennan Show. <laughs> we'll add more and more. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, let's chat with Addison. We'll be back. Hi, I'm Doug Jones, the tall, skinny, goofy actor who plays lots of monsters and creatures on film and in TV. But today, I want you to know that you are listening to the best podcast on the air, and that would be the Steve and Crypto Show. Hey, we're on the Steve and Crypto Show with a uh, friend of the show. He's been here a couple times before, and now he's officially a uh, repeat offender. Uh, we have Addison Binnick. He's a filmmaker who made the a cult uh, popular, it's called a cult classic. I'm going to go ahead and do that. It's a Psycho Ape. And he is here. He's just fresh off a very successful campaign to raise funds for Psycho Ape 2. So why don't we just jump right in and tell us the Psycho Ape 2 story. All right. Well, um, you know, it's been about three years since we released the first Psycho Ape. It'll be three years in October. And, you know, the movie's played at a couple of festivals and it's gotten some screenings and I've sold it at quite a few conventions over the years. And, uh, you know, Bill Whedon, you know, the star of the first one, he, um, you know, has been asking Greg DeLiso and I to, you know, make another one. And I've always been pretty apprehensive just because, the, we never really intended to make a sequel, you know, it kind of just ends the way that it ends. Um, never, we didn't really leave the door open for anything further. You know, the first one barely has a plot as it is. It's just a bunch of like references and spoofs and stuff uh, strung together. And I just, I don't know, at the time when we finished it, I thought that was it. I thought that was going to be the end of it. We would sell like maybe a hundred copies or 200 at most and we'd be done. But um, finally, my 
psychoic partner, Greg, uh, convinced me earlier this year to do it. And we went ahead, you know, I, I put together the Indiegogo campaign and I was asking for $10,000. And then much to my surprise, we raised $14,000, you know, it just kept going. Um, you know, which is really a, a testament to the psycho ape fans, you know? So the first movie had the, the big climax in New York and it sounds like we're going to hit the other coasts for, for part two. Can you tell yeah, us a with, little bit uh, about what's happening? Yeah. With the ending of the first one, you know, it's a big King Kong style parody with, uh, you know, the psycho ape and, Nancy Banana scaling the Empire State Building, getting shot off the building. And so, you know, that was it. We were done with New York. We, you know, we didn't intend to go back there because we already did that. So now with the sequel, we want to shoot it in Los Angeles because, you know, that's we want to do like a big low budget send up of Hollywood sequels. So Greg lives in L.A. Kansas lives in L.A. So we're going to go to L.A., uh, Bill and I, and um, we're going to shoot like a big, you know, spoof of sequels. So the beginning of the movie is going to be a big parody of like The Dark Knight, where it's going to be a big banana heist inside of a grocery store instead of a bank robbery. And so it's going to be a bunch of guys dressed dressed in, you know, uh, chimpanzee masks instead of clown masks. And they're going to be shooting each other one by one as they, you know, crack into this grocery store and start stealing bananas and then it's going to culminate into you know we're going to see the psycho ape also wearing a chimpanzee mask takes it off um and instead of you know the joker it's the psycho ape and he's going to try to take off in in a school bus full of bananas but he gets caught so um you know in the first movie he was caught by zoomus and tortured and electrocuted and all this other stuff but this time around, he's going to actually be caught by police. So he's going to be put on trial for his crimes from the first movie, all of the murders and everything. And the first like 20 minutes of the movie after the Dark Knight opening is going to be a courtroom drama. So we've booked a, a standing set for a, you know, a fake courtroom and characters, um, well, victim or family members and friends of victims from the first movie are going to be coming in and, you know, telling their side of the story, uh, giving testimony on the witness stand, just one at a time, um, talking about the psycho ape, you know? And so we're going to have the psycho ape on the stand as well. He's going to be cross-examined by lawyers and stuff. Um, and, you know, Bill Whedon is going to play a lawyer as well as Dr. Zumis and everything. So it's just going to be totally weird and stupid, just like the first movie. Um, And so we want to do like a Ghostbusters 2 style, like courtroom scene, you know, we want to do a few good men. We want to do just all of the famous like courtroom dramas that people are kind of familiar with. And then eventually we want to do like a Psycho 2 thing where the ape spends, you know, 25 years institutionalized, is released. And like Norman Bates in Psycho 2, you know, Norman Bates is institutionalized. He's normal in that movie. And it turns out that, you know, there's a copycat killer trying to like make him go crazy again. So that's kind of where we're going is the psycho ape is like normal. He's not a killer in the second one. And there's a copycat running around trying to frame him from for his for murders and to try to get him back into prison. 
and then all will be revealed who the copycat is, you know, at the end of the movie and what their motives are and everything. So it's a little bit more of a mystery than the first one. And we're, we're going all in on like, you know, sequel parodies like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. We're going to do Empire Strikes Back. So we're really, we've combed through sort of like the famous Hollywood sequels. And that's what we're going after this time, but on a very, very low budget. I like it. I like it. I'm picturing a, uh, like the slow motion OJ Simpson police chase scene down the highway or something with the big bus or some crazy well, shit like um, that. But yeah, it's going to be way. I mean, we're talking like school bus. Like I ordered a, a miniature, you know what I mean? Like, cause we just, bus, yeah. we don't, we don't have it. Yeah. We don't have access to an actual school bus. Yeah. So, you know, people are going to have to accept, um, shots of a, of a toy school bus, you know, right. being, you know, um, that's, that's what they're going to have to, you know, just, that's what we have. So, you know, I think that adds to the, uh, the term of, yeah, I mean, of psycho eight. Yeah. At the end of the first movie, we had stock footage of the military, you know, bombing the psycho ape with, you know, airplanes and stuff. And we had like a little kid playing with, you know, army tanks and everything to sort of simulate that. And like, you know, he was holding um, jet airplanes and stuff in the sky and flying them around. That's kind of how we did those shots. So we're kind of we're just going to do the same thing and we're just going to have someone playing with the toy school bus and everything. And like like it's supposed to be the getaway bus for the psycho wave, but it's, you know, it's the best that we can do. We can't actually get a school bus. Right. Do you got toy cop cars too? No, but it's just, it's just the school bus. We're going to have cops show up and draw their weapons and everything and, you know, pull them aside before he can actually like get away. And um, we want to do something where like, you know, they arrest him for the, like the, the, the banana heist, but then they realize like, like, oh man, like we have the psycho ape in our, you know, custody. So let's, let's book him for all of the murders and everything from the first film. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot more ambitious than the first film. We have like double the budget, but the thing is like, we're, we're spending more money like faster because, uh, we're putting ourselves up like in an Airbnb where you know um paying for a courtroom set so that fourteen thousand dollars that everybody you know like generously donated you know like it's getting spent and it's getting spent fast you know what i mean um because we're we're putting every dollar that we can on the screen you know we want to make it like um bigger and we want to make it you know better than the first movie um, and that's really going to be more so like up to the audience, whether or not it's like better or anything, but we're just sort of following our instincts and we're just going to try to make it funny to us by, you know, having like a 20 minute chunk of the movie be a parody of courtroom drama because people aren't going to expect that, you know, they're going to think that it's going to be another slasher film or something. But personally, we, I, I feel like I already did that in the first movie. Like, I don't want to do that again. Um, if we just did the same thing, then where's the growth in the franchise? You know, where's us being able to try something new? So we're taking this money and we're, we're trying something new. So I hope people like appreciate that and sort of follow us on this journey of, um, you know, just doing something different. Yeah. Still, we're still going to make it funny and stupid and, 
you know, crazy and dumb with movie parodies, but we're also like, we're aiming higher, you know? Yeah. And it sounds like the, the, the heart is still there. So that's, that's what's important. Right. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's still going to be a psycho weight movie and it's yeah. still just gonna be like a guy in a crappy gorilla costume, but we're just, you know, we're going to shoot it in 4k so that it looks a lot sharper. You know, the first movie was shot mini DV. So that's already a step up. Um, so again, you know, it'll still be a psycho weight movie. It's just going to be, you know, a slicker looking one and a more ambitious one. So, you know, I think a lot of people like the first movie because it is so like crass and DIY, you know, and this time around, we just, what we learned from the first one was that a lot of festivals and streaming sites will not take the first movie because it's shot on mini DV tape and it looks too lo-fi. You know, we can't, we can't get onto Tubi because it's too lo-fi. We can't get into certain festivals because it's too lo-fi. So that's why this time around, we really want the second one to like look better. We want it to sound better so that we can get into these festivals and so that we can get on to 2B, you know? Right. When do you guys start shooting? Uh, two weeks, you know, August 25th. All right. Um, as we got uh, an eight day shoot. So August 25th until September 2nd. And uh, we're almost done with the call sheets. We're almost done figuring every day out. Um, you know, Greg Deliso has been really like working hard at that, chipping away at the the call sheets and all that. He's got more experience with it than I do. Right. Uh, he shot his movie Bad Brain last year, so he was really like, you know, teaching himself how to do that stuff. And so now he's implementing that for our second movie. Um, you know, we're still we have meetings once or twice a week to sort of talk about the film and figure out like the ins and outs of what we want to do because our script is, it is like outlined, you know, and we have bullet points for everything, but we have a very loose way of making a psycho eight movie where, you know, it's, it's bullet points and like ideas for scenes, like within, you know, ideas for stuff within scenes. Um, we don't have like exact dialogue written. We don't have exact like people like having to hit marks or anything, because we feel that if you have the scene at least like, you know, outlined and you have beats that you want to hit, um, then you can fill in the gaps once you get to set. Because what happens a lot is you'll write something, you'll fall in love with it. And then once you get to set and you find that you have limitations, sometimes you're so in love with the material that you can't like, um, you know, find like an alternative or something because you're so stubborn about what you've written this way it's like well we wrote a courtroom scene we've got some ideas we've got some references we want to make but once we get to the courtroom and see what it's actually like we're probably going to come up with more stuff than what we wrote so why bother writing like you know dialogue exchanges and all that stuff we're going to hire funny people who can play you know like a tom cruise parody from like a few good men or we're going to hire people like, you know, a crazy judge who's going to like spout out weird lines and, you know, they can improvise. We can feed them lines like that's just how we did it on the first movie where we were where we were feeding people lines from off camera or we had pre-written jokes for them to read off of a laptop, you know, like a cue card or something. But they had not seen what they were about to read 
uh, prior to sitting down. And so that's what kind of like made their performance funny was because they were reading stuff that they didn't know, you know, they didn't know what they were going to be saying. So them tripping over their lines or them, um, you know, reading the stuff for the first time, their reaction to the material is kind of what made that stuff funny. Yeah. The, the spontaneity could really yeah, trigger Exactly. over the top reaction or something you wouldn't expect so yeah it's it's a clever way to do it and, and i feel like it would work with a, a pretty movie like this like just a, a loose fun movie yeah. that's what that's that's really what i think um makes that first film like work for people is because 70 to 80 percent of it was improvised or you know spontaneous yeah we would just invite people to my apartments and we would just film a kill scene that day. We wouldn't really know what we were doing until people showed up. And then I would dig through some props and we would just make something up. You know, I always had bananas on hand. I always had fake blood and limbs on hand. And then we would just make something up. Like we would shoot it in either in my apartment or like out in the courtyard or like at a park down the streets. And so a lot of the death scenes in the first movie were made up like that day. Now, we can't really do that this time because we have an eight-day shoot. I mean, we have set aside a full day of, like, that kind of thing. Like, it's going to be just, like, our kill day, you know, and insert shots and pick up stuff. And then we're going to have another day of just sort of roaming around L.A., um, you know, doing touristy stuff, kind of like how Nancy Banana and the Psycho Whip do that in the first movie in New York. So we're, we're doing the kind of the same thing of them walking around and seeing all the famous hotspots in LA this time. Um, you know, I'm not as familiar with LA as I was with New York. Cause I've been to New York a couple of times prior to filming psycho wave and Greg DeLiso had lived in New York for like 10 years or something before shooting. He's lived in LA now for about three years. So he's, he definitely knows some spots and that's where we're going to go, you know? And, uh, try to replicate what we did in at the end of the the first film yeah you got to kind of really just drive it in like we're in hollywood you know we're in la so yeah yeah because yeah. it's, it's you know it's easy to kind of do that when you're in times square because like times square looks like times square yeah. when you're in la i mean we could walk up the hollywood you know stars and like the chinese theater and stuff like that chinese walk, yeah it's not as I think bold or yeah. as like, um, you know, like it's not as obvious. I don't think right. as Times Square, but you know, we'll still we'll, we'll shoot the stuff that we need to to really sell that. Like, yeah, we are we are in L.A. guys, you know, like right. we'll get shots, like, the Hollywood sign and all that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're gonna really drill that point home, um, but. You know, we just, uh, I, if you would have asked me like a year ago, if we would be making a sequel, I would have probably said like, no, not yet. You know, <laughs> yeah. just because, um, I don't know. I just, I, I wanted to wait as long as we waited so that we could get, you know, $10,000 or so that we could get $14,000 because I mean, earlier this year, Severin Films had hosted double features of Psycho Ape with their movie, Wild Beasts, you know? So I traveled to Illinois, I traveled to Wisconsin, and, you know, we were selling tickets for double features of that. So, you know, I'm sure some of those people probably added me on 
you know, social media and have been following Psychoway for the last couple of months. And, you know, they probably donated to the campaign. But if I hadn't done stuff like that in the last year, you know, we might not have gotten the 14,000. So I always kind of thought it was best to wait and not do a sequel right away because, um, you know, we, we need this money. Like we needed to, to raise the kind of money that we've raised like to film it in LA because I, I would not have wanted to make the same movie in New York again. Like there's just, that, that did not interest me. Right. And I, I just, you know, I wanted to be able to afford to do the movie um, this way, the way that we're going to do it because any other like thing that was not, uh, you know, an, an opportunity to grow, it just seemed like, yeah, yeah I'd be wasting my time, you know? Yeah. So, had you sat and thought about if Psychowave 2 does really well and it's successful, successful potential of making it a trilogy? And where would you where would you shoot it? What city would you pick? Las Vegas. Vegas? Oh, that's a good one. Definitely. Yeah, we already, we've already talked about it because um we we wanted to kind of have like a Vegas chunk in Psychowave 2. But because we've already started spending so much money on other stuff in LA, we kind of realized like we don't really have much money left over for a Vegas day. Right. So maybe we should take that Vegas material and save it for three, you know? Yeah. So we already have some material written for Vegas, which means like writing the script for three might not take very long, you know? So there is a pretty good possibility we might get a three. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, it depends on if the sequel is met with, you know, praise, if, you know, it sells well, if people, you know, people have to show up. That's the thing is we can make part two with the Indiegogo money, but if nobody else buys copies, if it doesn't get booked to screen anywhere or anything, then we really only made the movie for those Indiegogo backers. You know what I mean? And like, right. that's, that's great and all that people supported it, but we want to sell additional copies beyond those Indiegogo backers. We want to screen it places. We want people to show up to prove that like, Oh yeah. you know, this is a, a, a marketable lasting IP, you know? Yeah. So it, it all depends on the success of two. Right. So what, what year was it you released one? Uh, 2020. So 2020 and it's 2023. And like, it's, it looks like there's been a, you know, people have still been steadily buying copies of one from you. And, you know, like you are right up until recently, you're still bringing it out, streaming it and doing the whole, you know, grassroots campaigning leading up to this. And people still seem enthusiastic about it. So I feel like it's going to carry over. I hope so. Because I think what, like the success right now could have or, you know, should have happened like two years ago, but because you know, I wasn't able to take the movie around like on screening tours and stuff yeah. like I have been two years ago uh, because the pandemic, you know, uh, theaters were shut down. Nobody were, was showing movies. I couldn't do what I've been doing two years ago. So had I been able to do that, you know, um, 
maybe we would have made the sequel sooner or something like that, or maybe there would have been more fans sooner or something. Um, but I don't know. I think maybe it is good that we've waited three years to start shooting a sequel. You know, I think some people, if you make a movie and it's, you know, kind of a success at first, and then you make one immediately, then you're not really allowing that first one to grow and find its audience. I think you kind of have to be patient about stuff like this because if you force it, like you can't force cult status. You can't force a fan base. Either it happens or it doesn't. And as long as you're persistent about it and as long as, you know, you like send it to reviewers or give copies away to, for free to people and let them decide whether or not it's worthy of like a cult status, uh, then then try to make your sequel. But I, I've seen people try to make sequels and stuff like right away. And so now you kind of have like a mildly successful first one and then a sequel that like no one's going to know about because they're still figuring out, they're still finding out about the first one. You know what I mean? Right. You're doing so, a disservice to yourself by um, doing it too fast. You can't just create a franchise or anything. And, I didn't even think this was going to be a franchise. I mean, the first movie was just the first movie. Like that was it. I was done with it. I thought that was going to be the end. Just, okay, we, we made a movie, you know, that was it. Um, it took too long because of the pandemic, like it took us a year and a half and really it should have taken us probably less than a year, like nine months. You know what I mean? Right. It should not have taken as long as it did, but it just, you know, we had to stop. We couldn't work on it for like six months. So what do you think personally for you to consider Psycho Wave 2 to be successful, what do you think it'll take? Like, where do you think, where, where do you want it to go? Like, how far do you want to take it? Well, I mean, just to be accepted maybe into the festivals that didn't take the first one. Um, I lost count at this point just because I've been to a lot of conventions and stuff over the years. But I want to say we've probably sold about 700 DVDs of the first movie that includes like the original Kickstarter as well. Um, and with that original Kickstarter, I want to say we probably sold about 200. So that means we probably sold at least 500, like in addition to that original Kickstarter. So if we can do that, you know, with the sequel, then that would be like successful to me. Um, that means it like reached the same amount of people as the first one. Um, you know, it would be great to sell more copies if, you know, oh, yeah. you know, if we doubled that number, uh, that would be great. But, um, you know, it's just a matter of like, well, again, also, you know, Tubi, we've been having trouble getting the first movie onto Tubi. So if there's a chance where we can get the second movie onto Tubi, like that would be great. You know, that would be, in my opinion, a success. Right. Do you think that would cut into sales of the physical copies if probably was coming on Tubi. yeah I, I would say so but uh you know we we would get paid right. through um you know the ad revenue and stuff like that but either way i mean i think what a lot of people do a lot of filmmakers they put their stuff onto Tubi, sort of knowing that if like someone watches it and really likes it 
then they might go and actually buy a Blu-ray or something, you know? Right. Or be on board for the next project. Yeah. yeah. Or you know, if they see the second one on Tubi and they're a fan, maybe they'll go and buy a copy of the first one or something. Cause the first one's not on Tubi. So, you know, it could always, it could just, it could just be a good thing. No matter what, I think just having the movie available on any sort of platform or streaming service, it could, um, be good like backward exposure like, yeah good exposure because yeah, yeah they could backpedal and buy the first one or they could then donate to some campaign for the third one you know just as long as they're aware of the film any of them then i think that's just good right what is your favorite part of the whole process of making a movie um i like it when it's done <laughs> and yeah. i can go to and just finally sit down and watch it yeah yeah and i like to go to cons and like tell people about it i like the traveling aspect of like going to conventions out of state and going to screenings and stuff out of state that that's really fun for me um you know that's it's it's an adventure it's being able to like set up shop out of town somewhere like i go to pittsburgh a lot you know so i really like the excuse of like traveling to Pittsburgh from Michigan to try to sell copies of my movies and seeing my other filmmaker friends and stuff like that. Like that, that's the part that I like um, is it's sort of like the writing is fun and then selling it. But the actual like production is, it can be kind of a headache, especially if it's unnecessarily elongated, like the first one was, you know, like I said, it took, we had to put the first movie on pause for like six months because of the pandemic. And it was like, are we ever going to finish this movie? Is it ever going to be done? That's kind of how it felt for the longest time was the first psycho ape was stuck in limbo for a long time because of that pandemic, you know? All right. Um, to, uh, speaking of stuff being kind of stuck in limbo, um, what's the latest on the, uh, Frankenstein film. I have all of the props that I need. I'm still buying additional ones just because, you know, just for fun. I, every time I've gotten like enough money together to shoot that, usually something crazy happens. Like last summer, I caught shingles in my left eye and all the money that I like had personally saved up for myself. I had to spend it on medications and an eye doctor because every visit cost me 50 bucks. And I had like open cuts directly on my cornea and I had to get specialty eye drops and I had to buy a new pair of glasses. I can't wear my contacts anymore because now my eye is too sensitive for those. So then as soon as I was like over the shingles, I caught COVID. So my, my summer last year was totally just stolen from me. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't work. I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't work my day job, let alone make a movie. And so all the money that I'd saved up for myself, I had to spend it on rent because I didn't have any income coming in. And I had to spend it on all these medications for COVID and shingles. And so that really sucked. I was basically back to square one, you know, no funds, nothing. So for the last year, I've been saving up money again. You know, it's my own personal money, my own personal funds, because 
I did raise money a few years ago, but you know, I spent it on props. I have a dozen Frankenstein costumes and a dozen Frankenstein masks in my living room closet. You know, they've just been sitting there, but you know, that was the initial money I raised before was all spent on that stuff. So now I'm using my own money to kind of just put it into the stuff that's left to spend money on. And because I want to make it cool, you know, it's still going to be super low budget. It's going to be made a fraction of, you know, what Psycho 8 2 will be shot for. You know, like we raised $14,000 for Psycho 8 2. Frankenstein will be more of like a $3,000. And a lot of it will come from like my own personal, just, you know, it's my cash that I'm kicking in. Plus like the, the money that's already been spent on costumes. So it's just kind of a combination of kickstarter money and my money um and i'm hoping to film that later this fall you know so i'm hoping that like the energy the because i haven't shot a feature in you know three years so i'm hoping that the the energy from psycho wave 2 will revitalize me and get me back out there filming stuff because uh you know just my own health problems have really prevented me from being able to shoot stuff you know That'll even just, you know, having health issues for that long will just fuck you up. Like your yes. mental well-being, too. It's like you just lose yeah. that kind of drive. So you need you a spark. And I think I lost my spark for a while. That's really what it was. Is I lost my confidence. I lost my spark. So I didn't really think that I had anything left in me to say, you know, or do. I, I just I kind of thought like, man, I'm done, you know, like. I, I have to make this Frankenstein movie. Like I owe it to the people who donated money to the campaign, but I just don't know if I can do it. You know what? I, I, so I have to spend my own money to like buy additional props to make it cool. I, I just, I don't know, but I was at a really low point last year where I, I was so sick. You know, I was in such pain just physically from my eyeball having like, you know, shingles on it. That sounds and, fucking awful. It was terrible. It was a full month of agony. You know, I, you know, I could have gone blind in one eye, you know, if those shingles had like cut my eye, like completely open or something, I could have been blind, but luckily we caught it in time uh, before it got super bad. You know, it was bad, but it was treatable. And as soon as I recovered from that, I caught COVID. So it was just back to back illnesses that really put me in a bad state mentally and physically where i was just like like i i don't know if i can like make movies anymore like i don't i don't know if i can like do anything anymore you know i'm just i was stuck at home all summer last year couldn't go anywhere couldn't do anything i had to have like my my roommate drive me around like my mom pick me up and take me to my appointments because i couldn't drive i I couldn't see out of one eye you know so um last year was terrible and I went into this year kind of hoping that it would be better. Uh, so again, Greg had to kind of convince me, like, let's do this campaign. Let's try to raise some money and let's just go make another like scrappy little movie for 10 grand and shoot it in LA this time and sort of up our game a little bit. And I was reluctant and I was fighting it for a little while. But then when my buddy Matt, who works for Severin, I started booking psychoape for various double features um and people were showing up 
people on social media were responding to that. I kind of thought like, all right, well, you know, maybe there is still life left in this movie. Maybe there is still like, maybe, maybe I can do this. I suppose like if, you know, I couldn't do a psycho wave too, obviously without Greg. And since he is going to be the, he's my co-writer, cinematographer, editor, co-director, you know, um, it's good to have somebody else, uh, you know, to bounce ideas off of and to kind of you know, know, like we're on the same page here. We want to make an impressive movie with this $14,000. Let's not blow it. Um, so it's good to have somebody in my corner where it's like, we're going to make this movie together um, and let's, you know, make it cool with Frankenstein. I'm doing that myself. You know, I'll be shooting it myself. I'm going to be directing it myself. I wrote it myself. I'll probably have like assistant editors and stuff, people who are going to help me like cut together the footage. Cause what's cool about psycho it too, is like, I'll go out there to LA and shoot for like eight days. And then any pickups and stuff, Greg can do that by himself and he can cut it into the movie because he's also the editor. And so by having him, be the co-writer, co-director, cinematographer, and the editor. Um, he can do all that while I'm back in Michigan. He doesn't really need me for that stuff. For the for any additional shooting and editing, he can take care of that. And so in, while I'm back in Michigan, I can do Frankenstein, you know? Right. That's cool that you guys are on the same page like that, that you can trust that, you know, if you leave stuff behind for him to work on you know, he got it. He got it handled, you know? Yeah. You know, he's not going to go and shoot something. Change the movie. Yeah. He's not going to fuck it up. He's not going to, because it's like, he doesn't want to fuck up the movie. And why would he, you know, he wants this to be impressive as well, because he's got, you know, his other film, Bad Brain in post-production. He's cutting that. He's also got some additional photography for that, that he has to do. And, you know, obviously um, we want two to be good so that, it'll warrant a third or fourth, fifth, you know, if, if the second one is no good, then we won't be able to do that. So I know that he's not going to do that. You know, there's no, we're not, we're not trying to kamikaze the sequel and, you know, stall a franchise. So as, as, as good as we can make the second one is, you know, it's only going to benefit us. Yep. Yep. Um, I don't recall if we ever talked about this before. Um, how did you and Greg start working together? Um, I went to a screening of his movie, Hectic Knife, in 2016, I think. Um, I didn't know him. I just knew that it was a, a trauma-distributed film that was playing in Detroit. And I went and saw it with a couple friends of mine. And I ended up liking it a lot. So at the screening, I was talking to Greg and I asked him, you know, like, do you do local like filmmaking stuff? And he said that he needed an assistant, you know, like an assistant editor or someone to like take care of his sales, someone to like take care of his social media stuff. So for about two years, I would go over to his place and he would, you know, take care of his wife and I would hop on his computer and I would operate his Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and constantly just be generating um posts and talking to people and fulfilling orders and things like that um sending out dvds 
sending out move, you know, copies for review or for sale. So I, I kind of handled all that stuff for him and he paid me to do that. Um, so then his wife ended up passing away. My, one of my best friends passed away and it all happened within a couple months of each other. And so as sort of a way to navigate through the grieving process, I pitched the idea of psychoing. I, I had kind of like a nugget of an idea. It wasn't really much of anything. It was just, I had the opening slumber party massacre sequence written. And I was like, do you want to finish this movie? Like, do you want to finish writing this? And do you want to make this like for real? And so we did. Um, so it went from being like, I was his assistant to all of a sudden we were just making on a movie or we were working on a movie to um, help us with grief. And like, not a lot of people know that. Like I've posted about that before on Facebook, but that's kind of what the movie was to us was a way to navigate through our grief because we just lost people in our lives who were really important to us. Right. Uh, so by making kind of this like stupid movie with a killer gorilla murdering people with bananas, it just kind of was a distraction for us for, you know, a year. I like that's it. a, it's a nice story. I mean, it, it, this sad part, the sad stuff sucks, but it's a nice yeah. way to, to come together and right. get through a tough situation. And, and in the meantime, you guys, kind of uh created a little cool thing that got a nice little following and that's good man um yeah just had a thought but i lost it let's uh you have another campaign going right now for the roast masterpiece theater what's the the history of that and uh where are we going with that well, I mean, for a couple of years, I did a show called Tro Masterpiece Theater with Troma. And I did, it's like Mystery Science Theater 3000, but with Troma movies. I did two episodes of that. The first episode was The Battle of Love's Return, which was Lloyd Kaufman's first film that he ever made. And then that was successful and he greenlit Poultry Geist. So then we did Poultry Geist. And that had a little bit of a cult following as well. Problem though was licensing movies from Trauma. I basically, I mean, Lloyd gave me those movies for free, but then he pulled the the licensing rights back, and so I, you know, I can't really sell those DVDs anymore. I can't really advertise or, you know, um, stream those movies anymore. So I, you know, I was a little upset about that. That was kind of a bummer. I worked really hard on those, but you know, he. They were they were hit there his movies you know so by him sort of rescinding the licensing rights i was left with you know just these characters these puppets me and corny and really and the movie theater and you know I, I i want to reboot the show but i want to call it something else i don't want to be tethered to just one company like trauma anymore so i'm rebooting the show and i'm calling it roast masterpiece theater but this time around, I want to license movies from other indie filmmakers, like friends of mine and stuff like that, who, you know, are totally on board, know what I'm doing, and aren't going to be upset at, like, you know, the riffing of their films. And I want to be transparent with, like, sales, and I want to pay them and stuff, you know, to use their movies. And so a bunch of people have already sent me their films as, like, screeners and stuff 
to sort of be a part of the, the project, which is really exciting. I've already got like 10 movies, you know, lined up, but you know, I want to get some money raised for like a new theme song because we had a Tro Masterpiece Theater theme song before. And so now we have to change it. We have to call it Rose Masterpiece Theater. So I need money to like pay this punk band uh, in New York called the Antibodies for their, you know, their music. They have to record a whole new theme song for us and I want to pay them to do that. And then the first movie that we're going to do is a movie called Spirit Animal, which is a shot on video um, slasher movie, but it was released in the year 2020. So it's a modern day shot on VHS slasher film. And the director of that movie is Madeline Deering, who I'm friends with. And we quote each other on each other's like DVDs and stuff like that, which is pretty cool. Like when I'll finish something, I'll send it to her to like watch it. And um, she'll say something nice and I'll put her quote on, you know, the Blu-ray for that. And so then she's quoted me for her movie, Bath of Shark Attack. So we just kind of go back and forth doing that. But I want to do her movie Spirit Animal as our first episode of Rose Masterpiece Theater. And what's fun about the DVD release of Spirit Animal was that she had scratch and sniff cards that were included with her DVD release. So throughout the film, you can scratch the scratch and sniff card and interact with the film because a number pops up at the bottom of the screen. So during a certain moment of the movie, like if someone is smoking weed, like the number two pops up. And so you're supposed to scratch the number two on your card and sniff that. Or like, you know, a guy in a gorilla costume shows up and starts throwing poo. So then you scratch like the number four on a scratch and sniff card and you sniff poo. Or like they're outside, you know, camping in the woods. And so you scratch a number and it smells like pine trees. So it's very cool and interactive. And so I want to, you know, pay to get a bunch of scratch and sniff cards to include in our physical media release of our roast masterpiece riff of spirit animal. So you got like multiple experiences going on where it's a riff of a movie, but it's also like scratch and sniff as well. So I think that would be fun. It's just that scratch and sniff cards are like $400, you know? So I wanted to raise money to match, you know, the $400, for my half, because I want, I want, I want to pay her, but then I want to give her additional money for the scratch and sniff cards, and so it's a big expense. And I thought that by raising money or by by having a campaign going, that people could get, you know, they could pre-order DVDs or Blu-rays to help pay for the scratch and sniff cards. They can get, you know, associate producer perks. They can get executive producer perks. And it would just be a fun kind of interacting, interactive thing for everybody, you know? Um, I know that, like, it's been a couple of years since I've done Tro Masterpiece Theater. So some people, like newer fans, might not even know that, like, I did that, you know? Like, they, some people might think that the only thing I've done is Psycho 8 um, because they're, like, they're, they're newer. Like, they've... They've, they've seen the movie like screen somewhere. So that might be the only thing that they're aware of that I've done. And, you know, because I can't really sell copies of like Tremasterpiece Theater as widely as I used to be able to, they just simply do not know that I've done a 
mystery science theater style ripping show already, but I have, and I've done it twice. And so I can go back in pretty easily and do that again with, you know, a new series of films and it's all going to be indie films from friends of mine, you know, so I don't have to worry about like someone pulling the rights or anything. You know what I mean? A lot of them are probably just glad that you're putting their movie out there in another way too. So it's kind of helps them too. Yeah. Some people don't have, you know, as, as big of a social following as I do, and so, yeah, it's their opportunity for their film to have a, a spotlight, you know, shined on it uh, because, you know, I mean, they go to the conventions, they sell their copies, but with Psycho Ape, you know, I've, I've gotten kind of a big cult following because of that movie. And so I also, it's like, well, you know, that's great. No, that's cool that people want to see like Psycho Ape too, but it's also like, that's not the only thing I want to do. I want to do my movie ripping show again. I was really proud of those two episodes that I did for trauma and I still have the puppets. It's just, they're sitting in my closet collecting dust, you know, they're not going to last forever. And I'd like to be able to use them again, but this time for movies like spirit animal or some of the other movies that my other filmmaker friends have sent to me, you know? Right. I think the, uh, using the cool gimmick, like the scratch and sniff thing, it's kind of a fun way to relaunch your series too. Uh, I was cool, kind of a cool gimmick, yeah. Like I'm it. a big fan of mystery science theater, obviously. And last year, they did a gimmick for one of their newer episodes, um, where it was a 3D episode for the first time ever, and it was a Halloween special. So if you were a backer for their like Kickstarter that they did a few years ago, you got a pair of 3D glasses that they mailed to you. So when the episode aired you were supposed to wear your 3d glasses and like the movie popped out at you and stuff. So it was pretty fun. It was really cool. Um, you know, so there was like the riffing 3d, it was a neat experience. So I kind of thought, well, I can't really do 3d, but I can do scratch and sniff, you know, I can buy some cards and throw it in the DVD or Blu-ray or something. And if someone wants to buy a digital copy, they can do that. And I'll just mail them a scratch and sniff card, you know, Right. Um, so that's kind of the idea is if you want to watch this episode, I can make sure that when you buy it, no matter what, if you want to stream it, if you want to get a DVD, I can get you a scratch and sniff card so yeah. that you can interact with the movie. Get the full experience, right? Right. It's, it's, it's the riffing, but it's also, yeah. I mean, if you want to scratch and sniff along with everybody else, you can, you know, I'll, I'll make sure you get a card, you know? It's just making sure that I can afford those cards. Right. So even if we don't raise the money through the Indiegogo, because I think that some people are just kind of fatigued from having already spent money on a Psychoic 2 campaign, that's fine. I still work six days a week, and I'm, I'm an Uber Eats Grubhub delivery driver. Right. So I'll, I'll funnel my own money into my own projects. Um, that's just what I do. It's what I have to do if I want to get this stuff made. I don't care, you know. I could not funnel fourteen thousand dollars into like a no. psycho. Yeah. Dude, that that's not feasible. But you know, a couple hundred bucks here and there for like scratch and sniff cards or something, or getting Blu-rays manufactured, I can do that. Yeah, you know, that's that's no sweat for me. All right, we'll make sure uh, to put a link up to that campaign so people can check it out and get in cool. on that. Um. 
you've mentioned uh, Mystery Science Theater a couple times. It's safe to assume that's probably one of your biggest influences. What are some of your other influences in entertainment? Well, I mean, trauma was always a big thing. You know, that's why I even got into Trauma Masterpiece Theater in the first place was because I was so familiar with the trauma catalog that I was able to pitch the show to Lloyd Kaufman and say, like, I want to do Mystery Science Theater meets trauma. And having been already so familiar with their, you know, their legacy, I was able to blend the two together. And that's why, you know, it was successful was because I could make references to other trauma films. And I'd already seen Poltergeist multiple times prior to doing the riff of it, you know. So definitely trauma. You know, I, I like filmmakers like Kevin Smith and Rob Zombie and Quentin Tarantino. Those are all people who I look up to and who I idolize and stuff. And um, I want to do stuff like that. Um, I also love, uh, you know, last year I put out a movie called Magnum Opus because I'm a big fan of Jackass. I took all of this old material that I had lying around, some like, 15 year old 20 year old VHS tapes and I digitized those for the first time ever and so I cut together this 15 to 20 year old footage that was you know only ever seen by like my friends and I and I cut it together into a, like a 63 minute long movie I called it magnum opus the movie and it's you know chronological order of me and my friends starting out when we were like 12 years old and it goes like 15, 20 years. So you, you watch us grow up per bit, per stunt, per skit. So we start out as you know 12 year olds, then we're like 15, then we're like 17, then we're like 20, then we're like 25, then we're like 27. So we grow up as the footage gets better too, because it starts off ratty VHS tape. And then eventually gets to like mini DV and then eventually gets to like 1080p. So it's, I, I wish I had thought of this as like a tagline, but someone mentioned this in a review, they called it boyhood meets jackass. And I thought that's like, that's exactly what this is. There's no real narrative. It's just stunt, skit, prank, stunt, skit, prank. And like I said, you watch us grow from little kids into adults and the footage gets sharper and better too. So I think that's kind of an interesting experience and uh, it's just, I mean, it is my homage to Jackass and the Tom Green show because there are gnarly skits in there, gnarly stunts in there as well. But um, it's also just kind of this non-narrative like documentary thing that I think is very unique. And I'm glad that some people found it, you know, like it's, it's sold like a hundred copies um, you know, not a runaway success like Psycho Ape with like 700 copies, but I'll take a hundred, you know, a hundred pretty cool. A hundred people have seen this thing, this footage that only my friends and I ever saw, you know, so it's kind of cool, sort of a peek into like my youth and the things that I liked doing when I was a kid with my friends, you know, some, there's some people in Magnum Opus who are no longer with me, you know, like they passed on. So, um, it's cool to sort of have a, a you know, a, a documentation of those years of, you know, our lives, you know, in a movie for people to watch. 
that was really exciting to sort of go on tour with that movie because it screened like three or four times just this year alone, you know, like I would rent out movie theaters and show it. I would submit it to festivals like uh, the convention Cinema Wasteland in Ohio showed it earlier this year. So that's been kind of fun showing something completely different that wasn't Psycho Ape, that wasn't Traumastrophe's Theater, you know, that wasn't like movie riffing. Um, it was just kind of like, here's this like experimental thing, like who liked it? You know, did anybody show up? And, you know, some people have, you know, bought it and some people have enjoyed it. And that's been like kind of the fun part is um, doing something kind of experimental, you know? Right. So that's, that sounds like you're uh, getting back in your groove. Like, you know, the rough couple of years kind of had you self-doubting a little bit and everything, but then kind of, like we said earlier, the spark, getting the spark going with the success, you know, Magnum Opus doing well, people liking it. Uh, people really supporting Psycho Ape, Psycho Ape 2. That's got to kind of feel good and reinvigorate you and just get you really pumped up. And now you're going to go to to sunny California. And uh, somewhere I, I you never been, been right? Maybe like 2016, I think. So it's been quite a few years, you know. Um, you know, luckily, Greg's been living out there for three years. And, uh, you know, we, we're not going to go in kind of blind or anything like um, you know, when we showed up in Times Square, we were just kind of running around aimlessly. He at least knew the area, you know, and I had been there a couple of times too, but right. LA is a little bit different. I don't, I'm not as, uh, you know, I'm not, not as knowledgeable of the area yeah. as he is, you know, that's, that's been his home for three years. So it's kind of, it's going to be cool to just show up and be like, okay, what are the locations? What are the spots? You know, better than me. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. And and think the uh, you guys are pretty loose with the script and stuff, but you guys have money invested in it, and the time crunch is going to keep you on on track. And yeah, but you yeah, still be I mean, able to have fun this time as well. We also are paying attention to our spending. I mean, the first movie we made like seven thousand dollars in the Kickstarter, but we blew through most of that filming in New York. Because the, the New York leg of shooting was first. And so we were going out to eat every night and just spending money and spending money and spending money. And it was like, holy shit, we don't have any money left. Right. This time around, it's like where we carefully tried to budget it the best we could. But again, you know, when trying to book an Airbnb for a, a group of people, that's 1200 bucks. This courtroom set was um, like $2,600, but like 1500 of that is a security deposit, which we'll get back. And then we can like um, pay off some other stuff, like once we're done shooting and everything. Um, so it's a lot different. Just budgeting the movies a lot different than the first one because the first one was so like fly by the seat of our pants. And this one is like we had to carefully sort of count each dollar and make sure that we weren't spending it on anything like extraneous, you know? Right. Is uh, so is the banana budget going to be bigger than the first movie? I don't know. I mean, bananas are cheap. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, they're pretty cheap. Um, but probably, I mean, I don't know if we'll see more bananas about the same, I suppose. Because what, what ended up happening with the first movie was we would buy so many of them 
and we would only film like one day a week for like the random kill scenes that I would overbuy like one week. And so then by the time we got to like the following week, they were all black and gross. So then I'd have to go back to like the grocery store and buy more. And I was just wasting time and wasting money. But this time around, since it's going to be like an eight day shoot, um, we, 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 we will use like every banana we buy, you know, so no bananas wasted. No, not this time. We just, it's not in the budget this time to waste any right. banana. Or if not, just pass them out to homeless people or something. And luckily they're, again, you can get like, you know, a bunch of them for a buck. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, again, I don't know. I don't know what LA bananas cost. Who knows? <laughs> Might be a little more. Might yeah, be a little more. Knows. I don't know. Right. We'll have to just reuse the same few over and over again. Right. Well, hey, man, it sounds like things are going to turn out pretty well. Things are shaping up. Personally, I'm excited for Psycho Ape 2. It's, it's a long time coming. Uh, Roast Masterpiece Theater. I personally haven't seen the uh, original show. I'm going to have to somehow find a way to see it. Uh seen Show Masterpiece. I haven't seen Show Masterpiece. Uh, ah. I'll have to figure that out. I'll have to get me a, a trauma free trial or something and watch it one week. It's probably streaming, yeah, I'm sure. I thought you'd seen at least maybe the first episode or something. No, I hadn't. Oh, no. okay. Um, but I'm definitely looking forward to the Roast Masterpiece Theater series. Um, I think I might have kicked on the campaign already. I don't know. Either way, I'm going to. I'm going to put the link up so other people can get involved in that. Uh, what's the end date for that campaign? Do you know off the top of your head? I don't even know. It's I think it's like maybe 17 or 18 days or something like that. Right. So it, um, basically close to the end of August. Something like that. Yeah, I think actually, you know what? It might be August 25th, which was just kind of a weird like um, coincidence because that's day one of filming Psycho 8 2. Like I, I didn't do that on purpose or anything. It was just right. like um if the Rose Masterpiece campaign ends on like day one of Psycho Whip two shooting, like that just that just kind of works out, you know, that's kind of cool. Yeah, because that way you could focus all your energy on Psycho Ape. And once the campaign yeah. ends, you can kind of yeah, put it on the back burner for a minute and focus yeah. on one thing at a time. It's hard not yeah. to, though. It's hard to kind of spin too many plates, but it's... I like that. You know, that's just kind of how I operate. It's just kind yeah. of how I've always operated because I just, I don't know, I just have ADD or something. But... Um, Same. And because I'm not 100%, it's not 100% like just my job to make Psycho Week 2. You know, Greg is another like 50% of that, you know? Yep. He's going to be editing the movie as well and, and he's going to be shooting it so he's only going to be shooting shots that he particularly knows he's going to use while in editing so um i you know that's that's going to be on his plate when i come back to michigan and so i won't really have to worry about that side of things you know i'll be worrying about like uh you know frankenstein and roast masterpiece and stuff because roast masterpiece is already pretty much written We've got 21 pages of jokes for Spirit Animal and everything. It's just, I just needed to raise some additional money 
to cover the cost of like the scratch and sniff cards and right. paying, you know, the director some licensing money and paying the, um, the antibodies some money for a theme song. Like I don't need $10,000. I don't need $14,000. I just need a couple hundred bucks to cover all this stuff, you know? And then because Indiegogo takes a, a fee, you know, when your campaign ends, like I bumped it up a little bit to cover that fee if they decided to take like a larger bite, you know, cause that was something that surprised everybody was, you know, we raised that 14,000, but Indiegogo took $1,100 out. So yeah. already a big chunk of our budget was eaten up just by Indiegogo, you know? So even though we say like, yeah, we raised 14,000, subtract 1100, like right out of the gate because right. they take a big fee. Um, so with my campaigns and stuff, I always ask for a little bit more than I need to sort of cushion myself from that bite that, uh, Indiegogo takes. Right. Um, before we get ready to wrap up, I have one more roast masterpiece kind of question. What's, what is your process for putting together an episode of that? Like your Joe, like, do you just do watch the movie on repeat and jokes pop in your head and you write them and process elimination and keep the good stuff or do you just do you have like a certain routine i've done it, I've done it two different ways um for the the two episodes of Tra masterpiece theater i would either invite friends over to my apartment and we would just watch the movie one at a time you know like i would watch it with one group of friends and then i would watch it with another group of friends and then i'd watch it with another group of friends or I would like go over to somebody's house and bring the movie with me and just kind of plop it down and say, we're going to watch this and I'm going to document what you say. Um, Cause I ended up watching, you know, the battle of love's return and poultry guys 10 to 12 times each. But what ends up happening with that is a lot of people just end up repeating the same kinds of jokes. And I was like, I guess I'm done watching the movie. If people are just saying the same things and like they were unrelated to each other too. Like it wouldn't be even in the same like movie viewing sessions. It was just sort of like, well, I guess, you know, this movie's taps. You can only make so many cock puns with, you know, poultry geist and stuff. Like everybody's just started doing the same kinds of jokes. So I was just kind of like, well, I guess we're finished. But um, this time around for Roast Masterpiece, I did not want to watch Spear Animal 12 times because it just, I, I would get so sick of those movies because when you watch something 12 times, no matter how much you love that movie, you're, you're going to get sick of it fast. Yeah. So with this, what we did was my two friends who I'm watching the movie and writing jokes with, who are doing the voices of the puppets, Corny and Reilly, um, we broke the movie up into like 20 minute chunks. And over the course of like a month and a half, we would get together once a week and we would watch those 20 minute chunks, which actually took like two and a half hours because I would pause the movie every like 15 to 20 seconds. And I would just say, does anybody have a joke for that 15 to 20 seconds? You know, and we would write something, even if it wasn't great, it could have just been like a placeholder joke and then we would move on. And so that way we had our bases covered where every 15 to 20 seconds, we would have a joke no matter what. And then we would go back through and watch it again i wouldn't really pause it every 15 20 seconds though it was more of a 
if anybody has like a another one or if anybody has like an alternative joke a better one this time let me know but usually like that that that's just how we did it was again it would take like two and a half hours for this 20 minute chunk of movie and that's just how we wrote it this time that's how we have 21 pages of jokes um just every 15 20 seconds somebody does somebody have a comment does somebody have a joke somebody have like anything i'll write it down you know and it's it's a very arduous process because you're watching a movie in slow motion um i wouldn't recommend it for like the first time you're ever watching a movie because we did we, we had seen spirit animal one time before and we watched it once from beginning to end without pausing and i would write down the jokes for that session but then for the subsequent sessions it was pause, 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 joke, 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 joke. And that's just how we did it this time. So I have not seen Spirit Animal a dozen times. I've seen it maybe three, possibly four from beginning to end, but it's been chopped up, which is kind of nice because I'm not sick of the movie yet. Um, Cause then that means by the time we get to shooting the film or shooting the episode, I'm gonna break that up into like four 20 minute chunks and so we're going to sit in front of a green screen with our scripts, with the time codes for where all those jokes are. And we're going to read our jokes sitting in front of a green screen, watching the time code on the, you know, the Blu-ray player, making sure we get our timing right, making sure that we don't miss a joke or are stepping over each other's toes. Because I take very meticulous time code notes. So if, if it's like a minute and 21 seconds, you say you're a joke in a minute, 21 seconds, because if you miss it, um, someone at like a minute and 29 seconds may have a joke, you know what I mean? Or a minute and 40 seconds. And we don't want to be stepping over each other's lines. So it's kind of like, like, I've never been in like a band or anything like that. But if people are missing notes, if people are missing chords, if people are playing their instrument too late or too soon or if it's not working, we're going to be like talking over each other. So we have to do the rehearsal next. So we have to take those 21 pages of jokes and we have to start rehearsing them. And then we'll shoot in front of a green screen. And so that'll be broken up into, you know, four 20 minute sessions. And then I'm going to cut, I'm going to edit them all together. Right. That's, that sounds a lot more, uh, a lot more work than you would think. Just sitting down watching Mystery Science Theater. It's like, oh, these guys are just sitting here having nah. a good time. It's like work. It's real shit. Like, it's You really do have to sit there and watch these movies in slow motion to make sure that you have enough material. Because if you go two minutes without a riff, your audience is going to be like, where's the jokes? Where's the yeah. comments? These guys are boring. They're not funny. Especially if it's but, a very riffable movie. There's Yeah. It, they're, they're not always the best movies. They're not always the most gripping films. No. So, yeah. well, see the difference between like Mystery Science Theater and what I want to do with Rose Masterpiece Theater is they are the premise of the show is that the host and the robots are being subjected to the worst movies ever made by mad scientists to see if it will break them. You know, uh, that's the whole premise. Is they're part of an experiment. They're being shown the worst films ever made to torture them. With us, my character is a theater 
usher. I work at a movie theater. And so I hang out with my talking box of popcorn and my talking film reel. And I want us to watch these movies, but we're like, you know, riffing on them and roasting them and watching them for fun. Not because we're being subjected to like, you know, the quote unquote, the worst movies ever made. Yeah. Um, because these are movies made by like friends of mine and right. it's more of just a sort of a friendly jab of like, yeah, you know, we make low budget B movies. That's what we do. They're cheap. They're stupid. They're low budget, you know, and here's like some jokes. It would be the equivalent of like kicking on an indie movie or like a low budget movie on a Friday night with your buddies and you're going to like drink some beer, eat some pizza. And here's like some cheesy nonsense. It's yeah. not the worst movies I ever made. It's what you would do anyway in that situation. You'd be just watching a movie and laughing at it. And you'd yeah. be making comments along the way. I want Rose Masterpiece Theater to kind of be a celebration of these kinds of movies. Yeah. Not necessarily pounding them into the ground and making fun of them the way that Mystery Science Theater does. So right. that's the distinct difference I want to make with my show and Mystery Science Theater. It's still like riffing on movies. It's still like a guy and two puppets like watching movies at the bottom of your screen but we're not gonna be like oh this movie fucking sucks or this is a piece of shit you know like mystery science theater does basically i want it to be like this is fun it's fun to watch these movies like these are movies made by people i know um and this these movies are made by you know we're all in this together we all go to these conventions together we all are trying to do this you know and it's like if if they need like a leg up or something like, yeah, I'll, I'll license your movie and I'll pay you for it too. Yeah. We're going to throw some jokes at it, but we're not going to be totally like, we're not going to be jerks about it. We're not going to be assholes. We're not going to shit on your movie and think, yeah. make people think that like these movies suck. That's not the point of this. Right. I think same time, it's probably got to be a pretty good feeling for you knowing that these other filmmakers trust you with their movie yeah, you're not going to shit on it and you're going to have fun with it and you're going to find you're going to give people more reason to enjoy it. I think basically. so. Um, it took a long time to get to that point because for like 10 years, I did this show for YouTube called Movies to Watch in a Rainy Afternoon. Right. And I've done like 130 episodes of that. That's more like riff tracks where I show kind of like best of the worst clips from like cheesy B movies and stuff. And over the years... Um, at first I would get sort of nasty messages from some filmmakers who didn't like my riff of their movie. It wasn't a full riff. It would just kind of be me recording commentary and jokes over clips from these movies. And the episode would be like 15 to 20 minutes long. It'd be more of a review with some riffing in there, not a full length riff, not a feature, you know, and I didn't have puppets or anything. It was just clips. And sometimes these filmmakers would find my review and they would message me and it would be really nasty and mean. And so I kind of changed the way I did my riffing and the way that I like talked about some of these movies. And that adjustment ended up opening the door to a lot of opportunities where people legitimately started sending me their movies because they liked the, the funnier jokes rather than like the harsher criticism and I also started getting work on other people's movies. They would invite me to their sets because they would like the review or the riff I did of like a previous movie they did. 
like I did a movie called Demon Queen, which was a movie made by an independent filmmaker named Donald Farmer. And Donald Farmer shot that movie on VHS in the 1980s. And one of the riffs I did in my review of Demon Queen was I, I picked out a clip where because the movie was shot on tape, like you know how when you recycled VHS tapes and you like taped over other stuff, eventually you do that enough times and what you previously recorded starts to bleed through like no matter what, you know, like there's no, you can't fix that because your tape has been recycled so many times. So in Demon Queen, um, that happens because the movie was shot on VHS tape, but he had recorded over a previous film that he had already shot. So it starts to bleed through, but like, he didn't edit that out. It's in there. And so I made note of that. I made a joke of like, oh man, he recorded over a previous movie that he made. And so he messaged me on Facebook and he was like, that's exactly what I did. You know, like, and so <laughs> that you pointing that out, like you, you figured it out. Like, um, so he realized that, you know, I was a little bit more savvy and everything. And he invited me to work on a movie that he was prepping at the time. So my episode was released in like 2014 Demon Queen was made in like 87 or 88, but he was still making movies. So in 2016, he was like, hey, do you want to come on down to Kentucky and work on my film Hooker with a Hacksaw? Sure. Sounds fun. I'd never worked on an independent movie before. So I went down there and I was the blood pump guy. And so that was fun to like, you know, be the special effects guy on a Donald Farmer movie. And then because like that was a fun experience, he invited me to come down in 2018 and I worked on his movie Cannibal Hookers. So because I riffed his movie Demon Queen, it led to me working on Cannibal Hookers and uh, Hooker with a Hacksaw. You know, that was kind of a cool experience because I riffed on his previous film. And so then other filmmakers started sending me their movies. Like Kansas Bowling, prior to Psycho Ape, sent me a copy of her movie BC Butcher to do a riff on that, you know? So I did that. And I did a movie called um, Something's in the Woods. That was sent to me by another filmmaker and they had a cameo in Psycho Ape. So it's all just the riffing stuff kind of led to Tremasterpiece and then that kind of led to Psycho Ape. So it's all, it's all very connected, but my roots are movie riffing. That's what I did for 10 years. And I started becoming friends with the people whose movies I was riffing, you know? And so now with your masterpiece theater, I'd like or Rose masterpiece theater. I'd like for it to come back around a full circle where it's like, now I'm doing feature length riffs, full movies, top to bottom, but I want to do it to uh, movies from my filmmaker friends. Right. Right. Kind of like paying it forward in a sense, because it is these yeah. people kind of got you into the mix and, helped you network and introduce you to other people. And now you could do the same. And it's, it's cool yeah. that you're at a point in your filmmaking career that you can do that. Yeah. Cause awesome. before, like I said, <laughs> my early rainy afternoon riffs were a lot harsher. They were a lot meaner and I would be getting nasty comments, you know? And so it was like, all right, well, I'm, I'm clearly doing something wrong here. Um, and I sort of recalibrated the way that I wrote jokes and that ended up working out way better. Right. 
So you learn from it. That's good. I learned from it. And now people legitimately send me their movies. So when I said that, like, hey, I'm rebooting Roast, or I'm rebooting your masterpiece, I'm going to call it Roast Masterpiece. Literally 10 people sent me their movies. I have a stack of 10 movies to do. And from like actual, you know, like, you know, like these are, these are real movies. You know, they're not just like backyard things. These are like some of these films have distribution or they at least have a cult following. And so it's like, wow, you know, thanks. Um, this is really exciting, you know, because they are movies that have like recognizable titles and stuff. So it's like, we're both going to benefit from this, you know? Oh yeah. All right. So well, let's, uh, let's get some people checking out the campaign and contributing to get this made, get those scratch and sniff cards done. Everybody deserved to smell the poop card. Um. Yeah. The, the poop card is, the poop smell is particularly yeah. bad. I won't, <laughs> I won't downplay that. It's pretty gnarly. Okay, so but, is there is there gonna enough to spoil anything before it comes out? Is there gonna be a poop smell? Oh yeah, I mean, okay. I'm doing. I, I want to do the same card. The same card that, as she did. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we're doing the same exact one because I don't want to. I I just I want her to order like 200 cards. She'll keep 100 for her DVD sales, and then I'll get 100 for mine. You know, so it's gonna be the same exact ones that she includes with you know, her physical media. Very cool. Cool. Cool, man. Um, We're going to wrap up here and get back to the rest of the day. I know we both just walked in our doors from real life and sat down to do this. So, um, yeah, man, it was really cool catching up with you. We're you definitely going to have to do this again. We'll make it a, a regular thing since now you're the sure. repeat offender. Well, well, once I have a couple of these projects done, I'll have more to talk about. Sure. Awesome, dude. Well, we'll keep in touch and uh, keep spreading the word. Thank you. Hey, this is Dr. Gangreen. You're watching the Steve. No, you're not. You're listening to. You're listening to the Steve and Crypto Show right here on whatever network you're on. I don't know what you're on. Don't ask me. I can't see what you're doing, but keep listening and tune in next week for more cool content on the Steve and Crypto Show. All right, we are back. Um, if you remember back in the past, we used to do trivia. We haven't done it in a little while. We're working on some new ideas to kind of to spruce up the whole trivia game and make it more fun, get you guys more into it. Because I know you guys want to answer fucking trivia. I know you guys like being know-it-alls. and But nobody's answering the questions. We're like, we're trying to send you free shit. So we're going to do it. A little fancier. So stay see, tuned. It's we coming. We see the numbers. We know you guys are listening. It's coming. We know you hear the trivia. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so stay tuned for that. We're going to do more trivia stuff. In the meantime, keep supporting us. Go join the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Steve Crypto. You can do it for as little as a dollar a month. And we're going to spoil movies and show you pictures and do things and make videos and this, that, and the other thing. Just for you guys. And buy me a coffee. Buymeacoffee.com slash Steve Crypto. Go there and leave us a tip. Buy yourself a coffee from our friends at Expedition Roasters. Use the code Steve Crypto. Get you a bag of beans from outer space or one of their other awesome flavors. They have a lot. We will be telling you guys about over time. Yep. What else? Social uh, media. Of course, head over to Facebook X. 
Instagram and all that. It's going to take us a minute to get used to saying that. (laughs) Um, Head over to all the social medias. Look for CryptoZoo88, the Steve Strout. Follow us through the Facebook group and promote whatever you guys are working on. Also, if you want to get some merch for the podcast, head over to our Etsy store. Etsy slash shop slash Steve and Crypto merch. Steve and Crypto birthday sale. Not That's Steve right. and Crypto. That's my birthday. Don't try to steal my fucking glory. <laughs> birthday sale. My name's on the shirt, so it, it's. I'm, I guess I'm getting in on the birthday festivities, too. Somehow. I'm not sharing my cake. <laughs> but yeah, go buy some merch. You it's got a sale. vanilla cake. I don't want that anyway. <laughs> you know, we... we uh, Ryan was like, what do you want for your birthday dessert? You want like cake or we always do like cheesecake or something. Ribs. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> no, I want to make banana splits. So we made banana splits. That sounds fun. And that shit was good. Cool. Though it did push me past my dairy threshold for the day. Yeah. So the next day I pooped real good, but because um, <laughs> you guys want to hear that. Because uh, we love you guys and let you in. Did you guys just make them kind of traditional? We just the the chocolate and we did caramel syrup or whatever. Caramel chocolate, like crushed pineapple Ooh, and whipped cream and a cherry on top and nuts and bananas and Neapolitan ice cream. Cool. It was good. Nice. It was worth the. It was worth the extra poop the next extra day. Poo. Yeah. I'm actually paying for that today too because she had to work all day yesterday on my actual birthday. And she called and was like, Hey, what do you want for dinner? Want to bring something home? It's your birthday. And I said, You know what? Let's make it easy and have Taco Bell. You know where that goes. Yeah. You're only <laughs> borrowing. Being it. Said, I mean, you borrow all your food, but you're really borrowing Taco Bell and not for very long. With that being said, Thank you for listening to us. We're going to flush this episode down the drain. (laughs) Catch you next week. On episode 124.